on air for a fan for racing's Kansas NASCAR race review with Hot Topic Sound Off. Now, uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala. It is Monday night, July the 27th. Now, we are going to be um, reviewing all of the races at Kansas Speedway this weekend. There were five in total. Uh, in the first half hour, we'll talk about the Arkham Art Series in Kansas. And uh, the race winner, Brett Holmes, will be joining us during that half hour to talk about his first victory in the series. So a uh, pretty big win for Brett Holmes this weekend at Kansas Speedway. During the second half hour, we'll review, we will review the NASCAR Trucks and Xfinity Series at Kansas. The trucks had a doubleheader weekend, so that uh, will be a big discussion during that second half hour. Uh, during our next half hour, uh, starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Brian Olson uh, will be joining us. He's the media relations and PR rep for the SRL Southwest Touring Series. And uh, when we finish that interview, we'll do our review of the Cup Series at Kansas Speedway. 10 o'clock, of course, is always our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, where we discuss the hottest topics from the weekend of racing. So joining me now is our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Okay, I've gone through the uh, review of our schedule for tonight, so let's go ahead and get into the ARCA Racing Series uh, race at Kansas Speedway. Uh, Big event for Brett Holmes winning his very first win, getting his very first win in the series this weekend. Yeah, it was a huge win. His first win in something like 68 or 69 starts in the ARCA series. So, man, that was was one big uh, monkey got off his shoulder. It was. It was. And we'll talk to him. He'll be on the show at 8.40 p.m. Eastern time. And so we will uh, definitely talk to him about that victory. Uh, Also, Ryan Repko came in second. He was the runner-up in his uh, – he he is uh, kind of the new – Ty Gibbs this year because he's had a, a few runner runner up finishes in the last three races. So uh Ryan Repko getting another second place this weekend. Yes, another oh this is oh he had a second place last week too. I believe so. he doesn't race every race I I don't think. He's with uh Venturini and he may be a part time driver. Uh, Riley Herbst extended his streak to 34 races since he was last in victory lane, Sal. And Corey Heim made a strong impression with his first start of 2020 uh, by finishing in fifth. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, uh, really, actually, really quick, going back to Ryan. Yeah, this was his fourth race, so he's missed. He's missed four races. So he's missed fourth out of, out of eight races. But yeah, going down the driver list. Like you said. Yeah, we're talking about the races Riley. that he's been entered in. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to see Riley grab that third place. Did yes, you just mention Riley was. right now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riley Earps uh, finished third, Corey Hyman fourth, and Tanner Gray uh, rounds out the top five. Then you've got Michael South in sixth, 
Drew Dowler finished seventh, Derek Griffiths in eighth, Haley Deegan finished ninth, and in tenth place was Thad Moffat. So uh, uh, that was uh, quite a top ten there for the Arkham Menard series. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Michael, gosh, you know, another, you know, outside of the top five was not used to see that, but to see Tanner Gray get a good run, you know, finally get that top five, you know, was uh, was huge. I know for it him. was really good. Brett Holmes, with his victory, actually uh, closed up the series points on Michael Self. Do you want to go over the points, Sal? Yes. Right now, the points, like you said, Sharon, he did he did close up the gap. There's only a nine point difference between Michael Self, who is still leading the points, and Brett Holmes, who's sitting at second. Third is still Drew Dollar, and fourth is Haley Deegan, and the top five right now is uh, Dad Moffitt. And uh, man, there's a huge gap between fourth and fifth, and fifth and and Michael Self is leading the points. And then we go down yeah. to six, where it really where the gap really spreads open really wide is with Ryan Huff in sixth, Ty Gibbs in seventh, Tanner Gray moved up to eighth, Sam Meyer ninth, and Chandler Smith rounds out the top ten. Okay. All right. So uh, a lot going on in the Arkham and Art series. Uh, the competition here uh, has been uh, between the good Gibbs, Centurini, and uh, – Brett Holmes and his team, Holmes to Evac Excavation Inc. So uh, it's really been uh, fun to watch this series play out. Yeah, it is. It's it's getting. It's not like uh, like you know, like we were talking before. You know where um, you know Michael Self is ready to uh, ready away with the series. He's having his, his issues now. You know, as the series goes on and on. So. Um, it's going to be interesting, you know, as the, you know, as we get into, you know, the last part of the season, you know, and see how all this, you know, plays out, especially with some of these drivers, you know, through dollars, they're really super consistent, you know, and, uh, you know, and then uh, Brett Holmes, you know, he, he got that, finally got that win. So we're going to see what happens, you know, the rest of the season with them. Okay. Now, ARCA is going to be racing again this weekend, or not this weekend, I'm sorry. Uh, their next race is actually on August the 8th at, um, I'm sorry, August the 9th at Michigan. So if you want to mark that on the calendar, it will be airing live on MAV-TV. But again, the next race for the ARCA Menard Series 12th. Central, 1 o'clock Eastern uh, for the Arkham and Art Series at Michigan for their next race. Um, so uh, now the big question is can Holmes catch up and uh, take over that series points lead? And uh, that's going to be the big question over these next several races. Yeah, it definitely will. Um, you know, like I said, you know, once, it seems like once you get that that first win under your belt, you know, you know, that, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you know, you, you got a whole new head of steam, you know, a whole new level of uh, confidence, you know, going into the, you know, the races, you know, finally, you know, telling yourself, you know, I knew I could do it and I finally did it. Yep. It's not unheard of. Once you get that first win, the others seem to follow. And, and the thing is, Brett Holmes has been knocking on that door of a victory for, for a while now. He actually uh, was second at Kentucky, uh, and he's had a couple of third-place finishes as well. So um, 
you know, he's he's been kind of heading in this direction. Now that he's uh, hit the win mark, uh, I think we may see some more victories from him before it's all said and done. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure we definitely will. Along with that second, he had the his last outing at Iowa. He finished um, finished third. You know, then mm-hmm. he, he had another third place finish at Talladega, which was another good showing. So it's just a matter of, you know, when he was going to be able, you know, put everything together, you know, finally get that win. And I'll tell you, that sure was a dominating win this weekend. Boy, he smoked it the field. It was. He dominated. <laughs> well, it was 16 <laughs> or 17 Talladega, seconds ahead. Right. 14 seconds ahead. He, he yeah. was uh, – Talladega, by the way, is his home track. I'm sure he was hoping to get that victory at Talladega. Uh, but a third-place finish is really great for that track. And like you said, uh, another third place at Iowa and a second place at Kentucky. So he's been knocking on that door over these last several races. And uh, to finally get that victory at Kansas was a pretty big deal. Yes, it was. And, you know, Sharon, speaking of Iowa, have you heard any more about it? Last I heard was they were going to close it down. Um, they weren't going to be racing well, anymore. I I have kind of heard some other things about it, Sal. In fact, it sounds like uh, Roger Penske has been renting. They made an agreement this year for him to rent the track uh, in order to keep it going, and he says he would like to continue to do that. So uh, uh, it's not an all-out purchase, but he is renting it in order for uh, those races to be taking place. Uh, and it was the ARCA series as well as the IRL series, the IndyCar series, which he now yeah. has a stake in. So uh, Roger Penske is keeping that track alive uh, for sure. But our guest is now here, Sal, so I want to get into a conversation with him. He is the winner of the Ton 150 at Kansas Speedway this weekend. And, uh, Brett, we were just kind of talking about this. Uh, first of all, congratulations on getting that first victory in the Arkham Menard Series. But you've been knocking on the door of that win over the last several races. Yeah, just uh, I'm just really happy that we're able to kind of move past, you know, talking about when it's going to happen and uh, when and where. And, and now we, we can start talking about, you know, how many more we're going to get and, um, you know, uh, just the normal kind of stuff a, a team teams go through. You know, I feel like, it's been a it's been a long time coming since we've uh, since we've been able to get to this point and uh, it's uh, it's been very tough but you know I don't I don't regret any of it and um, you know it got us to this point and I'm I'm very proud of that. Now is this, is this a track that you thought maybe your first win would come at Brett or did you were you kind of I, I was thinking you were kind of hoping to do that at Talladega your home track. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, I thought uh, kind of where our, our program was at this year, I figured an intermediate track would probably be my, uh, my, where my first one would be. Um, I think our super speedway stuff was good enough uh, for one of those tracks to, to be it, but um, you just never know those races. And um, But, uh, you know, we, you know, our mindset's the same good as every race. We, we want to win and uh, we're going to give it our absolute best and, um, you know, we just uh, we we, could, we clicked on all cylinders this weekend and um, kind of made up for what we lost at Kentucky and and that that win slipping away there. But 
um, you know, uh, it's it's been a it's been a great season so far, and you know, I, I think there's uh, a lot more a lot more room to go. There certainly is. Uh, just nine points now within the series points lead, and um, uh, you have Michigan, I believe, is the next up race for the Arkham Menard series. What are your thoughts about going into Michigan and maybe closing that gap? Well, actually, our, our next race is uh, Toledo. We've got two races uh, about, oh, uh, this this weekend at Toledo, um, and Michigan's the weekend after that. But I feel really good about both races. You know, uh, we'll bring the same car we ran at Kansas to Michigan. So um, I know Shane's got a really good setup for there. We finished third there last year also. Um, Toledo, I feel I feel great about. We ran third there uh, at the Arca East race there uh, probably about a month or two two months ago. Um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I feel, I feel really good about the rest of our schedule. I'm not so sure about the Daytona road course race, but, um, we'll, we'll make it through that too and figure it out along the way. But, um, you know, there's, there's a good bit of these races that I, uh, I feel really confident going into and, um, that, that confidence has just, uh, gotten, gotten a lot better and a lot more, um, after we get this one out of the way. Exactly. We were just saying once you get the first win, it's not uncommon for more to follow. So uh, we're really looking for good things there, Brett. Now joining me is our co-host, Sal Segala, and I know he has some questions for you as well. So we'll pass the mic over to him. Hey, Brett, first of all, congratulations on the win this weekend. Uh, actually, not even on the weekend. It was, yeah, it was the weekend. But, um, you know, it it's, it's kind of ironic that it, you got it on like the, you know, I guess everybody, if they're ever going to get a win, they want it soon. But if you're going to get it, why not get it on the number 69? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, uh, you know, <laughs> funny how it turned out that way, you know, but yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aiming for that. I hope, I hope you'll know that, but, I, uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been very tough, you know, um, Starting a new, starting a team is is a lot harder than than people think. It's uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it, especially into the sport of racing. And um, you know, we we take a lot of value into our people that we have, and I think that's what that's what really sets us aside from the other teams. And we may not have a lot of resources as far as uh, you know, uh, total employees that are shining for um, you know a seven posters or wind tunnel or you know, a shop or you know, sponsors or manufacturer help or anything like that. But we, we have really good people in this team, and uh, we work well together, and we love what we do. And um, we've just uh, kept improving on every mistake we've made in the past and kept our heads up, and that's what's really got us to the point today. That's the nice thing about this series. You know, when you look at, you know, at the, you know, at the, at the teams, you know, who are racing regular, then, of course, you know, then you got the ones, you know, who come in, you know, race you know, they're chosen the ones they want, but, uh, um, the diversity in the, in the, in the, in the series itself and, and the competition allows a team like yours, you to come in, you know, and improve, you know, week after week, you know, finally get that win because there really isn't, you know, what you could say, you know, like when you, when you talk about Xfinity or cup, you know, there's a, you know, a powerhouse team because it seems like a lot of the teams, you know, they're, you know, they're pretty well balanced, you know, as far as the competition level out there on the track. Right. And I, and I think that's uh, why a lot of people like the Arca series, you know, it's um, more reminds them of, you know, what, what racing, you know, used to be, you know, you can, uh, it's, uh, it is tough to start a team, but, you know, um, 
it's uh, it's really cool. You know, just uh, we we take a lot of pride in uh, how far we've gotten, and you know, we're still competing against teams like Joe Gibbs Racing, the 18 car every week. Um, that's really tough. You know, they they build that in their their cup shop, so um, we you know we take a lot of pride in, in outrunning them and. Uh, a lot of these other guys that, that have been in ARCA series for a long time, like our, uh, like uh, Venturini and uh, Chad Bryan and uh, some of those other guys. But, uh, you know, it, we're, we're kind of the – I feel like the dark horse or the under, underdog of, of all of them. And, um, you know, like I said, we've um, – it, it's been, a, it's been a, a long battle to get this team where it's at, but uh, we've, we've just kept pushing it and investing in it and um, – mm-hmm until we we uh got to got to this point but i think uh you know even even though we're competing it seems like that i think we we still got a good shot at the championship this year oh you guys definitely have a good shot at the championship i mean you're only nine points out and and you know i mean you know and michael's having his you know a little bit of his issues but you know when you look at your team as a whole i mean you guys have gone through you know everything you know you know starting you know with the super late models you know you know working up into the arca you know you know, I was looking at, you know, some of your past results, you know, from, you know, like the All-American 400, the Winchester, Snowball, you know, some of your super late model, you know, races where you started at. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, we've uh, we've always kind of taken that route and, and uh, you know, a lot of different, you know, pretty different from what a lot of drivers would choose to do. You know, we, um, we, we've started our own team since the go-kart days with, through a bunch of different, you know, divisions of racing through go-karts, uh, dirt late models, asphalt late models, and, and now ARCA. So um, you can imagine how hard it is to transition from all those different divisions of racing and, and to be successful at all of them. And, uh, you know, that's it's a very, very tough feat to accomplish. And um, that's that's why we've stuck with this for so long, for so many years. And, um, you know, but we don't want to stop here. We don't want to be a just a one hit wonder, you know what I mean? We, we want to get some more wins and, and possibly a championship out of it. But, um, I'm just, uh, really, really blessed to, to, uh, get to this point today. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really cool. I just never, you know, did, when I was dirt racing and stuff like that, you know, I, I kind of just envisioned myself doing it for fun and then kind of realized that we could do this, you know, for possibly for a career. And, um, you know, so when I was a kid, I didn't really, you know, um, think about, you know, being able to, to run at tracks like Kansas and Southampton and Minnesota and all these places and, and running on TV and stuff. So it's uh, it's just a, it's a really cool experience, and I'm just blessed to be able to do it. You know, and, and it, it's, you know, it's kind of neat, you know, to see, you know, a team like yours, you know, you know, make it to victory lane. You know, with, you know it's like what Sharon was saying, you know, about, you know, you guys have been coming close and, you know, and and, it, and the championship is not definitely not out of reach. I mean, we see Mason Mitchell do it with his own team, you know, some years back, you know, and and grab himself, you know, an Arctic championship, you know, and and um, I mean, and you guys aren't that, you know, you guys aren't that really that far off when you look at where you're at in the standings, but you know, when you look at your results, also. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, like I said, we keep putting consistent finishes together, and I think we've easily got a good shot at it. You know, uh, these. Um, these, these other guys are, you know, they're struggling a little bit, but uh, we we keep we keep uh, getting some solid runs at any track we've been going to. Um, seems like we've been really in the top three, top five everywhere we go. If we don't have a mechanical issue, so 
Um, that's definitely a, you know something you want to see out of your team um, in a bigger aspect of it when you run into points and um, you know that would be that would be an amazing thing too if we could if we could pull something like that off and really like you said Mason Mitchell was really kind of the last family-owned team that was able to, to be successful in Arca ever since then it's been you know kind of your normal staple guys and uh, that are, that are really tough to beat I mean really uh, I mean a lot of respect to them but um, they're uh, they're tough to top and but I, I think we're getting close to doing that. Well, Brett, I just want to say congratulations and get on the win, and you know, good luck and you know, for the rest of the season. Hopefully, you know, we'll see you, you know, grabbing that championship. And with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Brett, you bring up a, a really great point. Uh, the family-owned team, and as you were talking about, uh, you know, how difficult it is to make that transition from what you were doing before to coming into the ARCA series and competing against all these staple teams. Uh, the thought also occurred to me, all the changes that have taken place uh, in ARCA over the years as well, uh, and and being able to adjust to those changes uh, as they've taken place in ARCA is a really big deal as well. And it seems like if you make a mistake, you've learned from that mistake and not repeated it again, right? Yeah, of course, and that, like I said, I think that's the biggest reason why we've uh, gotten to this point. Today. You know, I feel like I feel like last year, you know, we had the same the same crew with uh, with, with Shane Huffman, and uh, it was really our first year put together, and uh, we really built a notebook of of all these things to, and um, it's uh, you know it's taken us improving on that every week to get to this point, and um, you know we're really just putting our heads together and. Um, learning from those mistakes and uh, you know just uh, keeping keeping our heads up even through the through the bad times and it's really gotten gotten us to where we're at now. Absolutely. Now uh, you, you mentioned the double header that's coming up at uh, Toledo Speedway. That's like home homeland for for the Arkham Menard Series, Toledo Speedway. And uh, it's a double header. How difficult is it to prepare for a double header? Uh, I know it's two separate days, but you're racing back to back, and uh, sometimes uh, these tracks are. It's pretty hot at some of these tracks. So tell us a little bit about how you're how you're preparing for the double header this weekend. Well, I think the biggest thing is having a having a backup car ready. You know, uh, you get all the way out there, it's a long long drive. You know, ten, uh, probably ten to twelve hours away from away from most of the shops, and um, you you really want to keep your nose clean for that first night. So you got you've got the same same car to use and improve on for the next night. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad we uh, glad we ran that Arca East race earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't even really expect it to that to Toledo and, and run two races, but um, much less one with everything that's going on. So, um, you know, I think that'll that'll really pay off for us uh, compared to the other teams that didn't go. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is really different, though, as far as uh, having a doubleheader, though. You know, ARCA doesn't typically do, do that, but, um, you know, I, I don't mind it. I think it's a, a pretty cool thing. You know, that's something we used to do a lot in the short track world, and um, we're, we're ready to do it. Okay. Yeah, that is great that you were able to race there in the Arca East earlier and, and get that experience on the track. Um, 
I know that you mentioned your crew chief, Shane. Uh, let's do a shout-out to some of the other people that have uh, really made a difference for you within your family-owned team there. Yeah, all the guys at the shop, like I said, uh, Shane, uh, Ryan, Chris, AJ, Aaron, uh, they, they stuck with me for um, – they stuck with me through last year and, and the tough times, and they, they really believed in me and me and my dad. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we hold a lot more value in, in those guys than we do in material things. So um, I'm just uh, really thankful for those guys and everything they've d- they do for us and – they really, uh, they really do this for me. They, they bring, they bring the best cars to the racetrack and uh, really turn this team into a top-notch team. And uh, I'm very proud of that. Okay. Well, now the Arca Menards, uh, the Menards.com 200 is going to be on Friday, and then the uh, Menards 200 uh, presented by Crosley Brands will be on Saturday. Both of those races are going to air on Mad TV. And then if, if uh, fans are NBC Gold members, uh, you can also watch it on TrackPass via live streaming. So uh, do not miss races here. There's a very tight competition going on for the uh, championship lead here between Brett Holmes and Michael Self. And uh, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch uh, both of those races, Brett. Uh, and we're so happy that uh, you were able to get that victory at Kansas Speedway. And uh, like Sal said earlier, we hope there's more coming for you and your number 23 team. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Now, uh, before you go, how can let let fans know how they can follow you, Brett, on social media? Yeah, you can keep up with us on our uh, our website, uh, brettholmes.com, and our uh, Facebook page, uh, Brett Holmes Racing, and also my my personal uh, Instagram and Twitter page. Uh, where, you, where you can find the results of the races and uh, everything that's going on with our team. Okay, fantastic. Uh, good luck out at Toledo and then Michigan and the rest of the season, and we hope we get a chance to talk to you again somewhere down the road here, Brett. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we will. Okay, take care now. Thank you, you too. All right, that is Brett Holmes with his own racing team uh, in the Arkham and Art Series. Got his very first victory this weekend at Kansas Speedway. And, uh, again, just so happy to see that happen for him and his team, Jay. Uh, so. Yeah, it was. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was a uh, win, you know, that was, that was, you know, forthcoming. I mean, they've been strong. You know, they've had good finishes. You know, and um, – it's it and it's neat to see a you know family owned team like that you know get into victory lane you know and be, to be able to compete you know with the you know with the with the per se you know the bigger teams that are in the, yeah the Venturinis and the bigger teams that are in the series you know um, you know it's always uh, it makes for you know a more diverse uh, more diverse competition more diverse racing you know what and, and it's, it, this this way it's not predictable you know like oh you know okay here come the mm-hmm. Venturinis you know they're just you know they're just gonna mop the series you know what they're just gonna run the whole series you know and it's not like that you know um, you know we're, we're we're starting to see you know and it and it's and it's good for the fans you know because you know it you know it keeps you it keeps you watching mm-hmm. it keeps you coming back it does. 
It definitely does, and uh, I think it's it's going to be fun to watch the rest of this season. They've been doing a really good job. They've wanted to try to get all 20 races in for this Arkham Menard Series. Uh, this double header is part of making that happen, and uh, they've already got, I think, 14 races in the book. So uh, they're really doing a good job of getting uh, a lot of these races in in this Arkham Menard Series. So real happy to see that. Um, let's go ahead and move on, Sal, because we've got a lot of races here. Uh, the Truck Series had a double header uh, this weekend at Kansas Speedway. Uh, one race on Friday, the other race on Saturday. And uh, Austin Hill was able to win that very first race uh, in the uh, double header for the Truck Series. Uh, the 20th annual Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 200. Uh, Austin is just 26 years old, driving the number 16 United Rentals Toyota for Hattori Racing Enterprises. His crew chief, Scott Zipidelli, so I'm sure that was uh, a big help there. Uh, it was his fifth victory in 83 Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series events. It was his first victory and his eighth top ten finish this year his first victory and second top ten finish in three races at Kansas Speedway, and he is the 18th different Truck Series winner at Kansas. Brett Moffitt finished second. He posted his third top ten finish in four races at Kansas, and his fifth top ten finish this year. Grant Infinger finished third, getting his third top ten finish in four races at Kansas. And what about Derek Krause coming home with a top five, finishing fifth, he was the highest-finishing rookie. Uh, also, it was the first victory for Hattori Racing Enterprises at Kansas Speedway. So uh, uh, some big things happening in that top five. Oh, yeah, it was it was a really good race. And, and, and the fifth, sixth, and seventh drivers, Derek Krause, Zane Smith, and Ben Rhodes, Man, they were they mm-hmm. were just going back and forth with each other, you know. Even even Grant Infinger, you know, to move up into that, you know, there was um, there was a lot of good uh, a lot of good racing back there, um, you know. But there to really see Austin was. Hill, you know, get the win, you know, Brad Moffat, you know, really made a run at him, but you know, just never could, you know, never could get to him. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about the top five there, but uh, you brought us into. Uh, the next uh, finishers, Sal, with uh, uh, the other rookie, Zane Smith, uh, finishing in sixth oh, place. Okay, ben yeah. Rhodes finished seventh. Yeah. Sheldon Creed finished eighth. Johnny Sauter uh, rebounded from last week. He had a really uh, bad week last week. He was able to finish ninth. And Todd Gilliland came home with that top ten finish. Uh, and just to mention another rookie, Ty Majeski, finishing in eleventh. It was it was a good race all all around, you know, um you know, like I said, Brett Moffat and Austin, you know, they were they you know, they battled but it seemed like a lot of the battling was going on, you know, from like fourth on back, you know, the drivers were just back mm-hmm. and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know, and um, That's true. You know. And it was it was really a That's good uh, I, good show that they put on for the fans. That's what I love about this series is that the racing there's always racing for the the front, but there's so many other races going on throughout the field uh, that make it really a lot of fun to watch. The margin of victory was 2.928 seconds. Uh, it was Brett Moffat winning the first stage, 
Austin Hill won the second stage and, of course, the third stage. There were four caution flags for 18, I'm sorry, 19 laps and 17 lead changes among eight drivers. So uh, a lot going on in this race, and uh, a big congratulations for Austin Hill winning. Uh, Let's go ahead and cover the series point standings. Okay, the series points after this race was uh, Austin Hill is leading the points right now. Second is Ben Rhodes. Third is Sheldon Creed. Fourth is Christian Eckes. And fifth is Brett Moffat. Those are the top five. Um, it's funny because you go through the top five and there's only two drivers with the race win. So far, Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed each have a race win. Right, right. Those are the only race winners. There's actually Grant Infinger further down that list. Uh, he's got the two victories, so we have three drivers now with wins in that truck series. Yeah, and the, and the rookie of the year is, is real close. Chris and Eckes right now is in fourth, you know, you know, leading mm-hmm. the, the rookie of the year standings. And then from there, then we go down to sixth is Zane Smith, seventh Grant Infinger, eighth Todd Gilliland, ninth is Matt Crafton, and Derek Krause finally cracked that top ten. Tyler Ankrum didn't have such a good week. And Tyler yes. Ake, uh, Derek Krause finally took over the the tenth spot. Even though, uh, yes. well, we got twelve we got twelve trucks going into the uh, ten into the. Oh, it's only I thought it was ten. ten. Okay, yes, that's right. I thought it was twelve. It's only ten. Yeah, so right now Derek Krause on the bubble, only four points ahead of Tyler Akram and um, uh, twenty six points ahead of Johnny Sauter, who's in twelfth. So. Uh, we we got yeah. a good little points battle going on here. Once once the uh, once they shake it out, you know, with the uh, you know with the race winners, you know, which we only like you said, Sharon, we only have three race winners right now. Um, well, you know, after but that race, even... there was only three. But yeah. now keep in mind, but it the... was a doubleheader weekend. So yeah. Matt Crafton won the second race, uh, the EPT two hundred on Saturday, at age forty four. In his number 88 Ideal Door Menards Ford for Thor Sport Racing, his crew chief is Carl Joyner. Uh, it was his 15th victory in 463 Truck Series starts, his first victory in his sixth top 10 finish in 2020, his third victory in 12th top 10 finish in 21 races at Kansas. Christian Eckes finished second posting his first top 10 finish in two races at Kansas and his fifth top 10 finish this year. So big year so far for Christian Eckes. Grant Infinger finished third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in five races at Kansas. And, um, again, Christian Eckes was the highest finishing rookie. This is the third series victory for Thor Sport Racing at Kansas Speedway, all with Matt Crafton. He won in 2013-15 and now again in 2020. Matt was below the cutoff line. That victory brings him on top of the cutoff line uh, now for the series points, uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, that was a, boy, that was, I'll tell you, that was one heck of a win by Matt. I didn't think he was going to be able to hold off Christian. I mean, he was just, it seemed like Matt just didn't have the truck, but I think this is where the this is where the um, the veteran you know driver came in you know and mm-hmm. showed the younger driver you know because um, 
I didn't think that Matt, I didn't think Matt was going to hold him off. I mean, there was no way. And, and Christian Eckes was just right there, you know, and, and, uh, and I still don't know how Matt pulled it off, but, you know, like I said, that's, that's the talent and the, you know, and the old veteran, you know, the crafty veteran, you know, needed that, knew he needed that win. I don't know how many, it's been a couple of years he since did. he's won. And it was a, <laughs> he did. It was a nice it little was, celebration for one. him. Yeah. It was, it was. Tanner Gray, another rookie, finished in fourth. Ben Rhodes finished fifth, rounding out that group. Uh, the next five drivers were Austin Hill, Friday's winner. Derek Krause with another top ten run, uh, finishing seventh. Uh, Brandon Jones finished eighth. And Zane Smith, another rookie in ninth with Chase Purdy. I was so happy to see Chase Purdy get a top ten in this race as well. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a really good race. You know, you kind of felt bad for uh, for Johnny Sauter. Oh my gosh, man, he he was it Sauter? Was it Friesen? The Taurus truck up really it was Sauter. The Taurus well, truck up really uh, bad. Friesen Friesen really uh, had a had an incident with his car. Uh, Johnny Sauter also had an accident. Both of them ended up with torn up uh, trucks. Uh, so. Uh, Johnny Sauter, and neither one of them really needed uh, that finish. They really were trying hard uh, to go after better finishes to try to improve their point standings. Um, I will say uh, Zane Smith, the rookie, actually won the first two stages of the race. Of course, uh, Matt Crafton won the third stage. There were nine caution flags for 38 laps, 15 lead changes among nine drivers, and... uh, uh, a lot of really good racing uh, in that event. Uh, but let's go over the point standings too, Jay, or Sal. All right. The point standings, the way we look at it now is Austin Hill still leading the points. Ben Rhodes in second. Christian Eckes moved into third. And Dane Smith made a big jump. And now he's fourth. And Brett Moffitt was fifth. So now you got two rookies in the top five that are really going to be battling for this rookie of the year, um, for the rookie of the year um, mm-hmm. award. It's just going to be close because Dane's not going to give up, let up. And Chris Inecki's racing for uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports. You know, he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a strong truck week in and week out. Absolutely. And then from it's there, going to be fun to watch. It is. And then from there we move, we go down to Matt Crafton who has a win, who, who also made a big jump. Uh, Grant Amfinger, seventh. Sheldon Creed, eighth. Derek Krauss moved in the ninth. And Todd Gilliland moved up ahead of Tyler Akram to take over that that tenth spot. So Todd Gilliland is now in the bubble with uh, Tyler Akram still sitting in the eleventh spot, looking outside looking in. Yeah, Tyler Ingram's uh, been having a, a really rough run here, as has Johnny Sauter. He did good on Friday. Uh, but Saturday he ran into troubles again, uh, caught up in, in an accident that really was not of his own doing, uh, and it really, really uh, put him at 31 points back from the cutoff line. So he's got his work cut out for him. Johnny Sauter's really got to put his nose to the grindstone, and that whole 21 team, or 13 team, has really got to put it together to get him a win and get him back on the top of that cutoff line. Yeah, they they do, you know, and um, you know, he and he, I I I think I think he'll be one of them that'll be in there, 
I mean, he's um, for the tenth spot. He's he's forty. You know, he's fifty. 53 points back, but that could, like you said, it could be easily made up with a win, you know, or, or some, you know, strong, you know, top five finishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's got, uh, he's got his work cut out for him, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, some of the guys, uh, you know, Todd Gilliland's been kind of putting together some pretty good runs, and that's part of what's going to put him up in that top ten. Really impressed with Derek Krauss and the runs that he's been having. Sheldon Creed seems to be uh, kind of putting together some good runs. Uh, so I, I really think we've got a lot to look forward to uh, with this whole uh, truck series uh, as they continue. I think they've only got two races left in their regular season, so before they start their playoffs. So uh, we've got a lot to look forward to in these next couple of races to figure out who's going to be the top 10 drivers to go into the playoffs. Oh yeah. We're going to, it's going to be, um, it's, it's going to be exciting um, run to the end. You know, then once, of course, once the playoffs starts, but you know, but I mean, to, to get there, it's going to be a really good, uh, it's going to be a really good run. Okay. Now I do have some post-race audio here. If we want to hear uh, you tell me who you want to hear from from Kansas Speedway South from the Truck Series. We have, uh, uh, let's see, we have the race winner Matt Crafton or his and his crew chief. Uh, we have Christian Actes. We also have third place finisher Grant Infinger. On Friday, uh, we have uh, uh, let's see, is that from the Truck Series? Okay, from the Truck Series, we have Austin Hill, his crew chief, Scott Zipidelli, uh Brett Moffat finishing second, and Grandin Finger in third. So we've only got time to listen to maybe one of those. So is there any anybody that you wanted to hear from? Yeah, I, I think Matt Crafton, he's always a good interview, especially since he went on that, you know, two- or three-year winless streak. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. neat to hear what he has to say. Okay, well, we'll listen to just a couple of minutes here because we still have the uh, uh, ARCA, I mean, the uh, Xfinity series to review as well. Okay. Um, hard to believe it's been three years since you won, but just talk a little bit about what it really feels like to be back in victory lane. Ah, it feels like months off. I'm back with Gorilla with all that weight we've been carrying around and Everybody, that's all they always want to talk about is we have one in three years and how many races have ever been. Uh, just keep your head down and keep focused and not worry about that and keep doing what you're doing. It's all about these guys. I mean, these guys haven't let it bother them. At least they play it off if it hasn't bothered them. But uh, I-, I can't be happy enough for every one of these guys. I mean, Duke and Ron DeSource and uh, our, everybody that always believes in us. I know we won the championship last year and won it without uh, winning a race, but at the end of the day, all the naysayers, uh, I still had that trophy in, in my living room. And uh, But we started picking up that speed that we have this year at the end of last year, and it all paid off when we went to Homestead. But uh, a lot of hard work by these guys. All right. We're going to roll straight into questions. We have several. So we are going to take our first question from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead with your question. Thank you. I was just kind of curious, Champ. Um, what is it is? It been in the last month or so where you had three, you know, top five finishes. What changed from before the, you know, before that? Is there something that you guys 
have found or, you know, what precisely is it that you guys have, have uh, latched on to? Go back to the beginning of the year, we ran really, really well at Las Vegas and we ran the top five there. And we went to Charlotte. We led last. We were really fast. We were in the top five all night and ripped track bar the spring. And then the next week, we wrecked on pit road in Atlanta. And then we were homestead. We blew a right front tire and hit the fence. And we had the speed, but we, everybody didn't realize that we were finished 35th, 40th, and we got wrecked on lap one, corner one. And, uh, well, I know we've had the speed, but at the end of the day, I mean, we have four races and your average finish is somewhere in the 30s, probably. It, it definitely gets everybody down with it, but in the day, these guys have worked so hard each and every week that keep me with their Has there had to be some adjustment that Thorsport has made that you're dealing with a, a crate engine and, and not with the. Um, I guess the Yates power plants. I mean, do you, do you kind of have to look at other places to find that speed that you've been familiar with in the past? Um, I always say hard to teach an old dog new trick. At the end of the day, I, I've been used to driving a motor package that has a lot more acceleration than what, what the, the motors that we were running right now. And it, honestly, it has hurt my driving style some. And it's hard to teach yourself a different driving style with these things. So, uh, I think I'm getting Congratulations to you and Junior. Thank you. Okay. You know, that's a really good point is the engine package. That's part of what hurt uh, Johnny Sauter as they're running those Ilmore engines uh, that, uh, you know, if you remember last year, Johnny Sauter and Grant Infinger both had uh, engine failures with those engines. Uh, and it took them out of the uh, playoffs uh, rather early. And Johnny Sauter, again, had an engine blow up a couple races ago. So uh, Matt Crafton talks about how hard it is to uh, make that adjustment. It is, you know, and, um, you know, especially when you, when you, you know, when you start going through engine changes, you know, and, you know, with the package, you know, they're using in the truck series. You know, you're not really giving the the crew chiefs or the car chiefs, you know, really that much to work with because you you work you have to look beyond the with the parameters of what you know what is given to you from the manufacturer. Yes, that is so true. Uh, and and some of the teams are using what she calls the crate engines, uh, where the others are using other teams are using the Elmore engines. Uh, and I'm just curious. Uh, if, you know, Thorsport seems to be hanging on to that Ilmore engine uh, in hopes of, uh, you know, making that work for them, uh, I just wonder if if they'll make adjustments and uh, go back to, you know, the other engines at any point. We'll have to wait and see if yeah. that happens. Yeah, they, you know, they, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough because depending what teams are talking to, you know, each team's going to want to, you know, go their own route. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there comes a point, you know, when you have to find the happy medium and just say, you know, if this is what we're going to – NASCAR has to say this is what we're going to use, you know. And, you know, and, and I, I think they need to put it. it back in the – I think they need to put it back in the engineer's hands and, and take the – and take it, you know, out of the – out of the manu- – well, of course, the manufacturer, but, you know, let the, let the engineers, you know, tweak them. You know, you know, with with the uh, with the um, 
you know, with the NASCAR uh, rule package. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at uh, the Xfinity series. We're, we're going to have to move on here, Sal. But um, Brandon Jones won at the age of 23 in his number 19 Menard Swiffer Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing with his crew chief, Jeff Meandering. Uh, he won his uh, third victory in 154 Xfinity Series races, his second victory and ninth top ten finish this year, and his second victory and third top ten finish in five races at Kansas Speedway. Austin Sindrick finished second. He posted his first top ten finish in three races at Kansas. It's his 13th top ten finish this year. Harrison Burton, the rookie, finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Kansas Speedway. Uh, Harrison, of course, was the highest finishing rookie. It was also Joe Gibbs Racing's tenth Xfinity Series victory at Kansas Speedway. So uh, Brendan Jones kind of snuck in there to snatch that victory. Yeah, that was a heck of. I'll tell you, that was a heck of a battle between those drivers. I thought for a minute Harrison Burton was gonna, you know, he was in a really good spot. But I think the best, yeah. the best driver out there had to be Ross Chastain, who, you know, had the best shot at the win. I think Ryan C was a city duck with no tires, so it was just a matter of a half a lap, three quarters of a lap, you know, before they're going to go around Ryan C. Even though he did get a couple good pushes, but um, when Ross Chastain went to the top, I thought that was it, and then the caution came out. And then um, Brandon Jones, like you said, Sharon, he came from nowhere, you know, to take that, to get the win. And uh, But I, I really thought this was going to be Harrison Burton's. At the end, I thought it was going to be his race to, to win. Yeah, he had it. He, he definitely had it in hand. Uh, and uh, still a good finish in third place. Austin Sindrick still a good finish in second, although I know he was disappointed he had a chance uh, to – uh, tie uh, Sam Ard for four consecutive victories uh, in the Xfinity Series, uh, and of course that did not happen. But uh, still, kudos to him with that second place finish. Finishing fourth was Ryan Sieg. In fifth place was Ross Chastain to round out the top five. Justin Haley came home sixth. Daniel Hemrick with a seventh place finish. Michael Annette eighth. Riley Erbst, another rookie, uh, another great finish for Riley in ninth place, and Justin Algauer rounding out the top ten there. So uh, some really good finishes uh, there for quite a few drivers. Yeah, it was. And, you know, and you you, you got to give a little shout-out to the 13th-place finisher, Kaz Brawla. The first half of the yes. race, he was, he was up there in the top five. I mean, he was – Kaz was really looking super strong there for a while, and then – you know, he kind of faded away, but, um, you know, and, and same thing with just with, like you said, you know, to the top 10 finish of Justin Algar. Algar was, I I thought he was another one halfway through the race. I thought he was another one that was going to end up, you know, going, going to uh, victory lane in this race. He was looked really good. Well, it was a close finish, uh, point four zero five seconds between first and second. Uh, Austin Sendrick won both the first two stages. And uh, there were five caution flags for 22 laps, nine lead changes among just five drivers. Uh, so, again, just a, a really fun race to watch in this Xfinity Series and uh, a surprise ending, uh, I think, for everybody. 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure it was. I mean, boy, boy, how happy was Brandon Jones when he won? They told him burn it down, burn it down, and you know, his crew chief was telling him <laughs> on the radio, "No, burn it down, burn it down." You know, and, I mean, he was excited when he got out. He even forgot to put his mask on at first, and then finally went back and got his mask. But you know, <laughs> you, when, yep. when, when you don't win that often, you know what? You know, you're gonna get out. You're, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna forget the mask. But you know, I mean. All in all, it was it was well, a very good it was it was a hotly contested race. Yeah, so let's go ahead and hit the uh, points report. And then the points we're still looking at. Um, Austin Sidrick is still leading the points. Second is Chase Briscoe. Third is Noah Gregson. Fourth is Ross Chastain, and Justin Haley rounds off the top five. Um, and between, just four points between. Just four points between Austin Sendrick and Chase Briscoe. Yeah, and Chase Briscoe. And Chase Briscoe is the one that came into the season saying that he needed eight wins if he was going to yeah. ever compete at the cup level. And he's already got five wins. Austin has three. Noah has two. Ross has zero. And Justin Haley has one win. And then from there, then we go down to the next five. The highest, highest rookie so far is Harrison Burton in sixth. Justin Algeier in seventh. Michael Annette in eighth, and Brandon Jones ninth, and Riley Herps, another rookie, rounds off the top ten in the uh, series. And when you go down, that was actually, like you said, that was Brandon Jones' second win this season. So, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna, you know, we still got a, you know, a, a, you know, a little bit more racing left to go. And then from there, then uh, of course they're gonna take the the twelve into the playoffs. So we got Ryan Sieg in eleventh. And Brandon Brown sitting in twelfth on the bubble spot. Wow. I didn't even mm-hmm. realize he was he was that close and Jerry Clements in in thirteenth, but he's he's uh um twenty uh no, he's thirty two points out. Mhm. So he's got a lot of ground to make up, but um it's it's hard to see anybody winning these races except for Austin Cedric and Chase Briscoe. I mean, they're just they're just so strong this part of the season. You know, I I can see Ross Chastain picking up a win. You know, even Harrison Burns possibly picking up another win. But Austin Cedric yeah. and Chase Briscoe, they're I, just they're just strong this year. Yeah, we've got to shout out uh, also Daniel Hemrick sitting in 14th place. He has only 11 of the 17 races. Uh, and still sitting 14th in the series point standing. So everybody else has 17 starts. Uh, he's done it on 11 starts. So that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, six races out. And uh, and he's only um, off the bubble. He's only 48 points off the bubble. Yeah, I would say that mm-hmm. that's really good. Yeah, yeah, very, very impressive. So... Uh, really some good things here in this uh, Xfinity series. Uh, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six drivers in on wins. Almondinger has a win, but he's he's racing part-time, so I don't think he's going to come back and, and contend for the championship. But uh, we'll have to wait and see if they announce that. But uh, and most of these are multiple wins, Sal. You mentioned Brandon Jones with two, Harrison Burton with two, Noah Gregson with two, um, uh, Austin Sendrick has the three wins, uh, Chase Briscoe with five, and the only driver with just the one win 
Uh, I mentioned Almondinger, but also Justin Haley has one win. So uh, we're seeing quite a few of these drivers uh, at least get some victories and, and even more of them getting multiples. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you know, when you, when you know, we start looking up and down, I mean, Justin Haley, he's, 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 well, he, he, he's already got the one win. That's right. You said, but I, I was thinking, Justin, I see Ross Chastain. I know Ross Chastain has at least one, two, possibly three wins in him. He just needs to get himself in that right, in that right position. And, uh, you know, and, and even Justin Allgaier, you know, Mm-hmm. He's in good equipment, you know. He just he just needs a couple breaks here and there, and well, there's and, still a few sure more we'll races him. to go, a few more to go. So we have to see what happens. Now, Sal, we've got a guest coming on board here at 9:30 Eastern. Why don't you uh, set that up for us, and I'll let you know when he comes on board. Yeah, our, our next guest is going to be Brian Olson from the um, SRL Spears Southwest Tour. It's a uh, been a long, a long running touring series out here on the on the West Coast. Um, it's uh, they're they're racing the super late models, and I'll tell you the competition is 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 really good. Um, car counts are good, and um, you know what? They're doing everything they can to try and get this season in. We've already had two two races. Well, one that one week, one the one that they canceled and they rescheduled for another track, and then we have another race coming up in a few weeks. And that one, we're not running at the track, so they rescheduled it for another track. But um, between Brian Olson, who's going to be our guest, and Marion and Larry Collins, you know, they're really um, out there, you know, working hard, you know, to, you know, to get this, you know, this, the, all the races in, you know, so we can have a, a legitimate championship. Not only that, for the, but for the drivers too. And most of our races have been run without, with, with the exception of the, all-star showdown in, in February and at Irondale, you know, we've been running without fans, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, we have, they, they do have a live TV feed, which Brian will tell you more about that when he comes on and you can watch the race live, you know, when, when they do race. And I'll tell you, um, we, we see some really good racing, uh, you know, this, this, uh, past season so far. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's something to really, you know, if you're really a fan of short track racing, you know what, this is something, you know, that, you know, needs to be, you, know, you guys need to take the time out, you know, and follow these drivers. You know what, you'll, I'm sure when we start throwing the names out there, you're going to recognize a lot. You'll recognize a lot of the names, you know, because, you know, they, they come from all over, but I'll tell you, Sharon, this, this series, the payout alone is, you know, is what keeps it, is what keeps the drivers coming, the competition level. And then of course, you know, our, um, you know, we got Ricky Brooks, you know, who, who looks over tech, you know, so nothing gets, you know, um, no, you know, nothing gets by, you know, and everybody, um, <laughs> you know, and everybody, you know, agrees that they like them, you know what, and, uh, and, you know, it's just a really good series to, to uh, be a part of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's, uh, Brian's here now, Sal, if you want to go ahead and introduce him and uh, start the interview. Okay, our next guest is Brian Olson. He's our he's our PR and our media relations representative for the like I said for the SRL Spears Southwest Tour out here on the West Coast. And um, I'll tell you, he's he has his hands full, you know, you know, trying to help put these races together. Not only that, you know, but but to keep order, you know, at the track and 
And, um, you know, it's a COVID-19. I know it's not easy. We've had, we had Tim Huddleston on, you know, and he kind of explained a little bit of what's going on with that. You know, we're going to ask Brian, you know, the same thing, you know, and, and how, how the series is progressing, you know, with the, you know, with the pandemic, you know, and all the, all the rules and regulations that they're putting on him. And with that, we want to welcome Brian to the show. Welcome to the show, Brian. Well, thanks guys for having me on today. I appreciate you, uh, Keeping keeping our series alive and uh, getting us on here on a regular basis, we can talk about what we got going on. Yeah, you know, Brian, it's it's important. You know what? And and you know, me and Sharon, we've always had a thing. You know, when I first started, you know, with with her, you know, with the radio stuff, you know, I've always been, you know, had my heart's always been with the, um, you know, with the short tracks and stuff like that. You know, and and you know, and and you know, I mean this is where the next generation driver is coming from. As we know, you know, we've got a lot of young drivers in the SRL series this season and we've had them in the past and we've seen a lot of them going into, you know, race, you know, trucks, Xfinity and cup, but um, you know, it, it's important, you know, what that, you know, that, you know, that we, you know, help each other, you know, to, you know, to keep the, you know, to keep the, um, the vibe going, you know, and not only that, but to keep the excitement level up. What's the SRL doing this season? It, it's, I know it's tough with the pandemic, you know, and the, you know, restrictions, you know, from, you know, state to state, from county to county, you know, to try and run these races. Well, yeah, it's definitely uh, not what we we drew up in the off season. That was for sure. Um, you know, we kind of put together a great 2020, it's our 20th, 20th season for the Spirit Southwest Tour. Uh, we're coming off the 50th anniversary of Spirit Manufacturing. So back to back, you know, big years for both Spirit Manufacturing, the company, and, and as well as our race series. And, you know, we had national television on MAP TV lined up. Um, you know, with the help of Tommy and Jeffrey from Low Budget TV, you know, we designed our SpiritsRacing.tv live stream. Um, we had 10,000 to win all of our races minimum. So, I mean, we, I mean, when, we, when the calendar turned 2020, we had we had everything lined up for probably the best season in the history of uh, the Spirit Southwest Tour. So, we've just kind of, uh, you know, as you as you well know, Sal, you've been around us enough. We're kind of survivors. We kind of look outside the box. We try to do things. Um, just trying to keep everything, keep our heads above water right now and just stay afloat. And, you know, I go back to the May 16th race that we had at Kern County Raceway that, you know, unfortunately Roseville or all American Speedway had to cancel because uh, of the regulations um, from the California government. And so we, you know, we quick, we acted quickly. Um, we put together a plan to, to move that race uh, to Kern County Raceway within two weeks. And, um, you know, really at the end of the day, it was just a decision that Larry, Marion, and I made um, what we had to do to keep the series going, um, to keep the race teams, you know, uh, uh, you know, involved. And, you know, there's, there's so many companies and people that, that make a living um, and put food on their table for their families because of our race series. And we didn't really realize that until we kind of took a step back and went, wow, there's a lot of people that depend on us. So what do we need to do? Um, you know, we had missed the March race. We had missed the April race. And we're like, man, we did, we cannot miss three months of racing because these guys, you know, may not be able to make it. So it was just one of those deals, man. We just have to, you know, we look at what's going on. It's a race-by-race basis right now. It's on a, a, a month-by-month basis, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just you know, um, usually this time of year, <laughs> it's all about planning for, for the next season. And now we're just planning for the next race or, or, or the next week. So just – different set of circumstances and we just got to get creative and, and keep this big, uh, big ball rolling. You talked about, you know, the, you know, the schedule changes and actually in the last month and a half, you know, you had, you had to go through two, you know, through two changes. One of them, you know, was when Stockton got, um, you know, when we couldn't run Stockton, you know, then of course that one got rescheduled, but then of course, then we had the one that was coming up in, in uh, Colorado, you know, that got, 
cancel completely, you know, but then you guys, like you said, you guys kept moving, you know, kept looking forward, you know, and now, you know, we're, we're going to go to Roseville, you know, instead of uh, Colorado. How hard was it to reschedule, first of all, to reschedule Stockton, you know, from one weekend to another, especially, you know, with the health department getting involved with the, um, with the decisions? Yeah, you know, that was kind of caught us off guard, you know, you know, we felt really comfortable coming up to the phone call we got from Mr. Nassetti on that Wednesday, you know, and, and he, they did everything on their in their power to to run that race on June 6th, the original as it's scheduled. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had to cancel that weekend, and, you know, we just kind of put together a plan real quick. It's it's what was what was the next available date on the schedule. You know, we don't typically race on holiday weekends. So we try to stay off that so people have time with our family. Um, but, you know, our motto right now moving forward is every weekend's in play. You know, every weekend, everybody, I mean, we, we moved it. Um, the the spring window race to December nineteenth because that's the, an available date. So I mean we're <laughs> about being flexible, and as I, I always say, my family we're always calling the audible. Um, but you know, Stockton Speedway was just you know there were open arms. What can they do to help? You know, and our team really really responded well. You know, unfortunately we had about twenty eight teams pre-enter for the June sixth race. I think we ended up with twenty one um, for the Fourth of July race, which is great for for Stockton Speedway. Um, you know, but it was just cool to see everybody kind of like work together and what we got to do to support the series, support the racetracks, and just move forward. And then, you know, with Colorado, it's a bummer, man. It, it was one of those, those big, big races on the schedule for us. We we're excited about getting back to the Rocky Mountain area. That, you know, they always put together, you know, a great show, great fans, great turnout. And it was just a bummer. But, you know, it just with the financial situation and not being able to put fans, and, um, you know, we kind of kind of knew that going into it. So we kind of started working on a plan B and a plan C. And unfortunately, Plan B put, was put together relatively quickly, so guys can change their plans, um, you know, before people had to buy, you know, flights and stuff. So um, hopefully, we don't have any more changes. You know, I didn't. <laughs> I'm hoping we're, we're, be, we're beyond them, and look, we're looking pretty forward to, you know, we have Stockton. I mean, All American Speedway for the next few races, which is, which is good for our teams, um, and give them a little bit of break to catch, catch the breath. You know, and, and you know what, you know, as you know, as you're, you know, talking about, you know, making changes, of course. You know, the main ingredient is the teams, the drivers themselves. You know what, you know, how flexible are the teams willing to be? You know, how much are they, you know, willing to, you know, to sacrifice? You know, they sacrifice a lot, you know, for the, for, you know, to come out on July the 4th, especially when the original race wasn't planned around a holiday, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, you know, well, hey, we got July 4th open, you know, let, let's go ahead and race, you know, and then with, um, with the uh, 4th of July being on a Saturday, you know, I, you know, that had to make it, you know, even that much more tougher, you know, to get the drivers, you know, on board with it. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to be honest with you. So I was, I was really apprehensive to, to move in that race, um, you know, going to a holiday weekend, but, you know, just with a short notice. And on top of that, you know, we usually race every, you know, minimum three weeks in between races. And we only had two weeks um, coming off of Stockton and going into Irwindale. So, yeah, we, we kind of had the cards stacked against us. But at the end of the day, you know, our team really, really stepped up. And you know, I was looking to thank them each and every race. But obviously the last couple of races, you know, I, I, I told them thank you for their flexibility and thank you for their support. Because not just only the race series, but, you know, we have sponsorship commitments. And, you know, Spears Manufacturing, you know, puts a lot behind what we do and uh, our commitments to MAV-TV. And, you know, we've got to make sure that we, you know, see those through as well. But, um, yeah, we've we got a great group of guys, a great group of owners. And uh, I still think we're uh, the best, um, you know, super late mall division in the United States, and, and that support has shown over the over the last few months during the, the time of adversity. You know, and it has it has, you know, as far as the series itself, me and Sharon were talking, you know, and even what even away from the show, you know, we always talk about, 
you know, the Spear Southwest Tour, you know, and I always tell her, you know what, it is one of the best um, competitive, you know what, and it's, and it's one of the best put together series, you know, that's out there, you know, as far as, you know, you know, for the, um, for the super late models. Um, I, I said, you know, I said, you know, you can't go wrong, you know, with the, with the, with the quality of the driver you have, not only that, but, but the commitment you have from the different teams, you know, the younger drivers, you know, that are coming up, you know, into the series, you know, that they really want to race against, you know, the best, you know, that short track racing has to offer, you know what, and you come to the West, everybody talks about the East coast, but you know what, you, you, you got to look at the West coast because our caliber driver, I feel is, is, is just as, it's just as good as the, as, as theirs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I can't disagree with you at all. And the teams just continue to get better and better. Um, and, you know, we have, I, mean, I still think we have one of the best superlit model racers in the United States, Derek Thorne. And, you know, he kind of is the bar. And, you know, everybody, you know, it's funny, everybody wants to come to that racetrack because they want to beat him. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, he was off a little bit last weekend. And, but, you know, you saw the, the, the cream rise to the top with, you know, you know, Dylan Lupton, you know, sitting on the pole on Saturday at Irwindale Speedway, and then Lenny White, you know, coming through and, and just kind of dominating the race uh, at Irwindale with only one caution. You know, who would have thought we would you know, get to that race with one caution? Coming off Stockton Speedway, which, you know, everybody was kind of fearful that, you know, we would be tearing a bunch of race cars. And we started 20. I think we we uh, finished 18 cars. We had three cautions uh, on a quarter-mile track. So our guys race. Um, they respect one another. Um, they put on a phenomenal show. Um, and, you know, there's battles, even, even if guys may not be up front battling for the win, there's battles, you know, throughout the whole race, um, you know, all the way back to, you know, the guys, you know, at the rear of the field. So it's exciting. It's a great series. It's continuing to grow, um, can continue to get notoriety, you know, nationwide. We get, you know, we get calls and, and texts and emails, you know, on a regular basis from other super late model divisions. Cause, you know, based on this pandemic, everybody thought our car count was down, but we're just, uh, other than just a drop a little bit in Stockton, which, you know, based on what we've talked about on the reschedule, our car count is as good as, if not better than in the years past. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a, a testament to the, the commitment to, to our race teams and to our series. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it is really a great series. Now with that, Brad, I'm going to turn over to Sharon to uh, the, the show host. I know she has some questions for you too. Sure. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sharon. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm just so excited that you guys have the Spears Racing TV now. I I just think that's such a big move, and especially with the kind of current environment that we have now, uh, fans can go in there and watch. But I was also noticing on the website that you had some iRacing events this year as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, First and foremost, our SpearsRacing.tv was, you know, that was something that we put together at the end of last year, and you know, <laughs> we look like we look like geniuses coming uh, into the COVID uh, pandemic because that was the yeah. only way our, our race fans would be able to follow what we got going on. So it's been a great, great addition. Uh, you know, Tom, Tom, and Jeffrey, those guys at Low Budget TV do a phenomenal job of coverage. I, I think it's, you know, better than almost any any other super late model uh, live live streaming in the United States. I've watched others and those guys, you know, they, they, they have a passion, they have a love for the sport. You know, they put our drivers first and it's not about them and they do a great job. But yeah, you know, the I racing thing I was a little apprehensive to, um, you know, it's really, you know, it's not real racing originally when I thought about it. Um, didn't really want to go down that road, but we, you know, we kind of got nudged by a few of our race teams. Hey, we need to do this. And it was probably one of the best things we could have done um, during that downtime. You know, it allows, you know, drivers past and drivers currently um, to race against each other. Um, it, it was cool to kind of see a lot of those you know, old faces that we hadn't seen, you know, Dave Birds and 
uh, Ron Esau's and, um, you know, Troy Ermish's and these guys, you know, were, were, you know, big factors in our series back in the, you know, the nineties and the early two thousands, kind of come out of the woodwork and race against, you know, the Jeremy Dosses and the Lenny Whites of, of today. So it's cool. It, it, it was a cool deal. Um, you know, we had some great support. People put up some money to make it happen. Um, way more work than I ever thought I was going to be trying to put all that together. There's a lot that goes on uh, behind closed doors to make those things, you know, go off without a hitch. But, uh, you know, we, we thought about doing maybe some more. Um, then we just got busy uh, getting races back on, which is, you know, ultimately what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the priority, I'm sure. But uh, it is nice to have the uh, iRacing available when we were kind of in the thick of things with the uh, pandemic. Uh, now, I know the next race is the All-American Speedway on August the 15th. Um, uh, it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen there at this point, isn't it? Well, you know, um, uh, All American Speedway has gotten to go ahead by the by the local by the local government, and you know, we uh, we have strict guidelines to to, to follow f- to keep everybody safe um, at the race. You know, it's on a, it's on a fairground, so uh, our teams will do a great job. You know, they uh, they they follow the rules really well. They know that uh, ultimately, really, if we don't we don't hold up our end of the bargain, then uh, racing can come to a screeching halt. So. Uh, we just got to make sure we all stick together and uh, do the right things and, and be ready to uh, ready to go on, on August 14th and 15th. Okay, so that is kind of a, a, a good to go uh, event. Yes, yeah, we're yeah we're all set. Okay, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and uh, it looks like let's see, there's uh, that event. There's the September 26th event also at All American. Uh, Kern County Raceway on October the 24th, the Bull Ring at Las Vegas on November the 21st. That's the finale, right? No, we actually uh, we we've recently added uh, December 19th at Irwindale Speedway to make up from a race that we missed uh, earlier this year. So we'll be uh, actually ending in December. When, you know, that's a there's some ba- there's a lot there's not a lot of great things about California, but some of the good things about California, you can race all the way into December in Southern California and usually have pretty good weather. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're just taking advantage of a, you know, we're, we're just trying to, you know, optimize a bad situation, try to get that nine, 10 races, you know, for our race teams. Um, and, you know, we're doing everything we can, uh, you know, what's nice about the back-to-back races, all American speedway, you know, they, they, it's uh, right there in a residential area and, you know, there, there's some strict, um, sound regulations. So it allows our guys to set up their cars for August and then kind of keep their, their, that same muffler system in place for September. So we're actually going to help them out in the long run, having that back-to-back weekends or back-to-back months. Okay, and uh, the 7th Annual Winter Showdown, uh, is that still a go? You know what, uh, we got to, I think I think actually next year will be the 6th Annual, so we have, we have to, I, I, hopefully that's the plan, you know, we I just we just got to get through, uh, through through August and then September and October, and we'll worry about uh, the, <laughs> the Winter Showdown towards the end of the season, and hopefully, and hopefully uh, you know, our government and our, our local officials will, open things back up a little and uh, let, allow us to, uh, you know, get, get fans back in the stands and keep the sport going. Absolutely. Well, I'm a big fan of the showdown, and uh, I hope that that does take place next year as well. Um, so you guys are doing a great job. Keep up the good work. I, I really love what you guys are doing, and uh, we can't wait for that uh, August 15th event. So yes, well, thank you so much. Uh, so, okay, Brian, yeah, I'm here. Okay, Brian, um, moving forward, you know, you know, you know, we've talked about, you know, All American and uh, 
you know, uh, you know, of course, you know, we got through Stockton, um, you know, the, the, the December show, you know what, that's like you said, you know, we're blessed in California to, to have nice weather, you know, hopefully we don't get any rain, but you know, if anything, you know, we're going to have, you know, pretty nice weather for that. Um, is there any, any particular reason why it was moved to December and not running, you know, maybe sometime in November? You know what we have a kind of there's only one we can really open in December. Um, you know we have you know we have uh, Ricky Brooks who heads up our competition and you know he only has so many weekends that are available. Um, you know we try to give a break headed you know heading to the end, towards the end of the year. We didn't want to put too much on guys since they were already going to be backed up a little bit here during the summer trying to get caught up. So it was just it was, it was just a combination of things um, and so that's uh, that's the reason why that December 19th date worked for both Irwindale Speedway as well as our race series. Yeah, it's, it's it's going to be kind of interesting because, you know, there's probably, you know, three or four of the drivers, you know, that, that do, you know, go to the Snowball Derby. But what's nice is the Snowball Derby is the first weekend of December, and this one will be, you know, still give them a couple of weeks to go ahead and, um, you know, get ready for the, you know, to get ready for the season finale. Yeah, it's a, it, I think it'll be uh, it'll come off well. Uh, we've had a lot of positive uh, feedback from a lot of the race teams, and they're excited about about this, um, that December date. I think we'll get um, some fringe guys that don't necessarily race with us all the time that maybe not will, maybe won't go to the Snowball Derby, but maybe come out to the, to Irwindale and give it a shot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, it's just um, it's just every weekend's in play, and we we just got to get through it and um, you know continue to to put that car count up there and um, keep the series rolling into 2021. Well, Brian, you know what? I, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. You know what? You know, talking a little bit about the series. You know, hopefully, you know, a lot of the, you know, drivers are listening. You know, I just hope you know if there's other drivers, you know, out there that aren't part of the series. You know, that are thinking about, you know, you know, may, maybe coming out like you said. You know, December would be a good time. You know, come out and um, you know, give it a shot. If not, you know what? We still have you know a few more races left. You know, and you know to get you know pick up the car counts a little bit. You know, and get the word out there. But the word as far as the series, you know, it's already out there. Everybody knows about it. But it's always nice, you know, to get you on the show, you know, and talk about, you know, what's going on with the SRL, you know, and, you know, which, you know, which direction you're taking, especially now with this pandemic, you know, it's it's just so unpredictable. Nobody really knows, you know, which way it's going. And, you know, with that, you know, why don't you share with our listeners, you know, where they can follow you, where they can follow the series, you know, and then where they can watch it, you know, you know, you mentioned about Jeffrey and Tommy, you know, with low budget TV, you know, this way they have all the information they need. Yeah, um, our, our, our website is um, srlsouthwesttourseries.com. You can uh, follow us on Spears SRL Southwest Tour on Facebook. And, uh, you know, SpearsRacing.tv definitely uh, is a place to do, go. To, you know, our, our subscribers are growing each and every race. Um, like I said, uh, first class on, on the production side of things. Um, I've had quite a few people call me over the last couple of weeks that watched the Irwindale race for the first time and were just blown away by uh, the quality of it. So, we're excited. We've got a lot. To, we've got a lot going on, um, and uh, hopefully, the next time we're on the phone, we're talking about uh, you know packed grandstands and in a, a great 2021 schedule. Yeah, and, and you know, and another thing, Brian, before we get before you leave the air, you know what, your your crew, your team, I mean, you know what, they 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 really, you know what, they do an outstanding job. You know, I mean, you know, from Tech from Ricky Brooks all the way, you know, through Michelle, what she does. I mean, we we can name name off Steve, Steve Ariana, you know yourself, um, you know I don't want to miss anybody out, you know Tim, 
um, you, you know, just everybody. But you know what? You really got to give a shout out to Kevin Peters and the job that he does, you know, with the with the social media, you know, to keep everybody informed, even though he's not at the racetrack. But you know what? With the stories, with the photos, with everything he does, I mean, and I really got to say that Kevin Peters, you know, you know, he's he's a real he's a real big uh, uh, integral part of the series. Absolutely, you know, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, you know, I always say there's people that do things for the right reason, and Kevin, you know, definitely involved with the series for the right reason. It's you know, it's his love, it's his passion. Um, and once again, he puts a, puts the drivers, you know, first and foremost, it's not about it's not about Kevin and about stories and articles about him. It's about the drivers and the lifeblood of our series. And definitely, 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 does a phenomenal job on the social media side for us. And as well as you know, the other day he he was in Irwindale, unfortunately, because he you know, he, he moved to Idaho and. Um, you know, uh, you know, constantly in communication, wanting to know practice times and, and qualifying times, and you know, actually, everything you would have thought that he was at the racetrack for as, for as much information that he was able to put out there, and, and just keep the teams and the families involved. And yeah, there's a lot of unsung heroes uh, in our series. Like I said, we have a great group of guys, and uh, you know, definitely Kevin's one of those guys that just uh, is there because he wants to be a part of something and just wants to see it grow. And uh, a lot of our growth is, you know, is thanks to him for sure. Now with that, Brad, I want to thank you again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks over at uh, at All American Speedway. All right, sounds great. Thank you guys both for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks, Brad. Take care. Okay, good night. All right, Sal. That uh, that was pretty cool to hear from Brian Olson there at the uh, Sears Southwest uh, Touring Series. Uh, and we do need to still uh, review our, our Cup Series, though, at uh, Kansas Speedway, so I'm going to get right into that. Uh, it's the 10th Annual Superstart Batteries 400. Uh, Denny Hamlin was the race winner at age 39 in the number 11 FedEx Freight Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Christopher Gabehart uh, is the crew chief. Uh, Denny won the, um, uh, it was his uh, his 42nd victory in 500. Wow. I had to look at that twice. Yeah, 42nd victory wow. in 525 NASCAR Cup Series races. It's his victory and 11th top 10 finish this year. Also, the fourth time in his career that he's won five or more races in a season. He's, he won five or more races in 2010, 12, 19, and now again in 2020. It's his third victory and his ninth top ten finish in 24 races at Kansas Speedway. His third victory ties uh, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Kevin Harvick for the series' most wins at Kansas Speedway. Brad Keselowski finished second, posting his 11th top 10 finish in 21 races at Kansas Speedway. It's his 14th top 10 finish this year. Martin Truex Jr. finished third, posting his 11th top 10 finish in 24 races at Kansas. Cole Custer finished seventh, was again the highest finishing rookie, and it was for Joe Gibbs Racing the sixth victory at Kansas Speedway. So uh, some big accomplishments there for those drivers. Yeah, D- Denny Hamlin, forty-two wins. I didn't believe. I didn't. That's amazing. I didn't realize he had that many wins, Sharon. Seriously. I, I didn't either. I had to look <laughs> that's at it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I stumbled there because I was like, "Is that right?" <laughs> 
So, yeah, that's amazing. 42 victories for Denny Hamlin. Uh, and, uh, plus, that, plus you got to add in the two. Plus, you got to add in the two Daytona 500 wins he has along with those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. He's won some big, big events. Uh, now, Denny Hamlin, we mentioned Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr. Kevin Harvick finished fourth. Eric Jones came home with a top five finish. Uh, the next five are Eric Almarola. We mentioned Cole Custer, the highest finishing rookie in seventh. Alex Bowman finishing eighth. Kurt Busch in ninth, and William Bryant while rounding out that top ten group. Kyle Busch is just having a rough year, finished 11th. <laughs> rough season he, for Kyle Busch. Yeah, he is. He's having a really rough season. Just when it seems like he's he's starting to make strides and then something happens, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But then we've seen him do this a few years ago, too, go in, listen to almost the end of the season, you know, that he went on a little, you know, winning streak of his own, but um, mm-hmm. you know, even Martin Truex, I think I think Truex is also winless this season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, I think Truex has a win. Does he have a win? Yeah, yeah he, he has, has one win. win. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I will let me go over the stats here real quick. The margin of victory was point five one seconds. Uh, Kyle Busch did win the first stage. It was Brad Keselowski winning the second stage. There were 11 caution flags for 47 laps, 22 lead changes among nine drivers, which is amazing. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the points. Uh, I'm just worried about us running out of time here, Sal. <laughs> okay, the, the, I was going to run them all down to the 16 then. Okay. So the so the points, we got Kevin Harvick leading the points, Brad Keselowski in second, Kevin with four wins, Brad with two. Third on the list is Brian Blaney with one win, and fourth is Danny Hamlin with five wins. He's leading the series in wins this season. Chase Elliott, fifth with one win, Joey Logano, sixth with two wins, Martin Truex Jr., seventh with one win, Eric Almirillo, eighth, Kyle Busch sitting in ninth, and the top ten is his brother Kurt Busch in tenth place. And then from there, we go down to Alex Bowman is in 11th with one win. Clint Boyer in 12th. Matt D. Benedetto in 13th. I got it right this time only because I'm, I'm rushing through it. <laughs> William Byron is 14th. Tyler Reddick, another rookie. First, actually the highest rookie right now is in 15th. On top of Eric Jones is 16th. And Eric Jones is on the bubble with Austin Dillon only two points behind him. Tyler Reddick was out of it. And he, I think, I think he jumped above Eric Jones, you know, to get in there. And of course, our right. seven-time champion is Jimmy Johnson at, at 329 points, 18th, and he's only eight points, six points off the bubble. And Cole Custer well, here's is, the is thing our, you, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the, the thing wind, you got to remember Austin is Austin Dillon, Austin Dillon, and, Cole, and Custer. Cole Custer move up. Yeah, so that displaces the 15th and 16th place guy. So they're actually, Tyler Reddick and Eric Jones are on the outside uh, with Cole Custer and Austin Dillon moving up. What did I say? Yeah, William Byron. Well, actually, it's Tyler Reddick and Eric Jones uh, that are displaced because uh, Austin Dillon and Cole Custer will displace them. Uh, yeah, in going into the top sixteen. 
So, yeah, interesting, really close. And and I think yeah. we're going to have some more surprises before it's all said and done. So. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure we are. You know, um, you know, uh, it's. I mean, Cole's really coming around the second half of the season. You know, he's really picked up. You know, you know some mm-hmm. some speed. You know, and some um, you know some momentum. But um, you know, and, and Tyler Reddick is just he's just not having the he's not having the um, you know the 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 success he was having at the beginning of the season. So, you know, it, their rookie driver, you, you had expected from him. It's tough to maintain that momentum. Uh, sometimes when you've got the momentum, it's tough to sustain that for an entire year. So, Sal, uh, are there any races going on this weekend that uh, you're going to be at? You know what, there is, Sharon, but you know what? I, I went on that three-race streak, and actually last Saturday was the first Saturday I hadn't been in a track in three weeks. And you know what, I'm, I'm going to st- – I'm going to cancel this Saturday and I'm going to stay home, spend some time with my wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know what? And, uh, you know, I mean, the pandemic is out there, you know, I, I still got to watch myself. You know what I, I, you know, absolutely. And I did see the numbers are kind of jumping up again out in California. So do be safe, Sal. We, we appreciate everything you do. Are you still there, Sal? I'm not sure what happened to Sal. Uh, we are coming up, but we're not quite there yet. I don't know if he's going to make it back or not. Okay. Uh, let me see. Okay. Okay. Sal says he's going to try to call back in, I think. Call dropped, calling back. No, that was Mike. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on here, but uh, for some reason, okay. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, yeah, Uh, Sal said his phone cut out too. I hope my phone didn't. Uh, I'm going to ask those guys to call back in. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, Or if anybody can hear me. Okay, everybody's saying that they're trying to call back in, but they're not being able to get in. So I'm not sure what's going on. We should have about 30 minutes left. I'm hesitant to hang up because I'm afraid if I don't, if I hang up, that I might not be able to get back in. So let me try it this way. Okay. Okay.
Okay, I think I'm back on air, and uh, I have Mike and I have Jay. So first of all, welcome to the show, Jay. All right, I'm here if uh, we're good to go now. Okay, I believe we are. Mike, are you there? Mike, do you have the mute button on? Okay, I'm not sure why we can't okay. hear Mike. Okay, Mike's calling well, back saw, in. Saw, so. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike, yeah, I think we're having the same, same, same issue. Yeah, when the when oh, the show okay. dropped, I guess it kicked me and Jay off the line, and we couldn't even call back in until the show came back on. Yeah, I had to hang up and call back in, and I couldn't get in the first time I called back, and I had to call. I called back three times before I was able to get in. So we apologize, folks. We are back on air and uh, ready to get into our NASCAR hot topic sound off. We were saying goodbye to Sal, and uh, it dropped him as well. So. Um, we apologize you, you know for what the, the uh, abrupt in there. What you know what the answer is, right, Sharon? You know what the answer is, right, Sharon? It's 2020. It's, it's 2020. That's right. It's just that's what happens in 2020. Okay, so I'm just glad that we're back on the air. Uh, just a programming note for both of you, real quick, while I'm uh, thinking about this. Uh, first of all. Uh, we mentioned last uh, week that there's just one race this week. Actually, the Arkham and Art Series is racing uh, this coming weekend as well. So our preview show will cover the uh, doubleheader at Toledo Speedway for the Arkham and Art Series as well as uh, the Cup Series at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. But I also want to mention uh, that Sal and I talked earlier today, and we were thinking that for this Thursday – uh, we're just uh, uh, well for, and I was thinking the same thing for Thursday. Is that uh, what we could do? Is just an hour for the preview show and start our hot topics a half hour early, so that uh, we've got that full hour uh, before we get into any kind of uh, overtime. We've got a full hour for hot topics on Thursday. What do you guys think of that idea? I should be available on Thursday unless uh, something unforeseen comes up. Um, whenever you come up with a firm start time, just let, it, let me know and I'll be on. Okay. Instead of starting at uh, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, we would start at 9.30 Eastern. And uh, same thing for Monday night, by the way, as well. Uh, Joe Graff Jr., who is scheduled to be on tonight, is scheduled for 9 o'clock on Monday night. But with just the uh, ARCA race and the uh, cup race to review uh sal and i talked about uh doing the same thing on monday night just starting the hot topics at 9 30 eastern instead of 10 o'clock eastern a half hour early so there's two shows in a row that we'd be able to do that all right well okay, obviously i'll be there uh yeah the entire time on thursday so uh already be on air with you for the preview and then whenever we transition uh with like mike said for monday night being that we only come in for the hot topics part, just let us know, and I'll make sure I'm on. Okay, yeah, that would be a 9.30 start for hot topics for both Thursday as well as Monday night show. So just a uh, heads up for our viewer, listeners as well. 
that that will be taking place for these next two episodes on Fan for Racing Radio. But let's get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And, uh, Jay, let's go ahead and start with you. Well, I don't know that I really came up with any new ones for the, from the weekend itself. However, uh, Matt Crafton in the truck series, this is one I kind of had already penciled in uh, the last couple of weeks that we hadn't got to. But going to the truck series, we got the same thing as the, what we've had in recent weeks in the cup series. Somebody outside of the top 10 in the truck series winning and moving up. And we kind of expected it from uh, Matt Crafton kind of breaking mm-hmm. that bubble. Uh, we've seen it in the cup series real bad. And I, I caught the tail end of what you were talking with, with Sal, you know, where that cutoff line is technically in 14th points position, but with a couple drivers outside moving in, I'm sorry, it should be at 16th with a couple drivers having wins outside moving in. It's now to 14th. So looking at mm-hmm. the truck series of where we think that falls, uh, that bubble and who's going to be in and out. Okay, Mike. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was surprising to see Matt Crafton win a race. Obviously, he's the defending champion. That team's been in kind of a three-year slump, at least in terms of compared to what they were doing previous to that. Uh, You know, Matt Crafton used to be good for anywhere from three to half a dozen wins a year, and that team has – They've kind of fallen a little bit off the pace in terms of, uh, of wins per season, but it's still not really surprising to see Matt Crafton get a win in the truck series. Um, with as small of a playoff field as, as there is in the truck series, um, it is, you know, they're kind of set up for that destructor coming in there. Another one that I've been picking for our fan for racing pool has been Stuart Friesen. And that team has been struggling a little bit this season, but based on the performance in previous seasons, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Friesen get a win and break his way into the playoffs as well. Yeah, I I would agree. Now, right now, we've got 10 drivers uh, on points and wins uh, for the truck series. Nobody from the outside has won yet of, of that top 10. But I think that the potential is certainly there for some drivers to get those wins. You mentioned Stuart Friesen uh, being one of those guys. Tanner Gray had a really great performance. Uh, he, well, he had some good and some not-so-good moments, but uh, he ended up with a top-five finish uh, in the truck race this week. So I would keep my eye on him as well. Johnny Sauter is certainly capable of coming up with a win, even though this has not been his best season uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a win. And we know Tyler Ankrum, uh, again, having a really tough season, uh, we know that he's capable of winning in this series. So the possibility does exist for that to happen uh, on a lot of different levels here. And uh, it's very possible that we will see that happen. Matt Crafton right now is sitting sixth in the series point standings. Uh, so So he's good. Uh, Austin Hill with one win, Matt Crafton with one win, Grant Infinger with two, and Sheldon Creed with one. So now there are uh, four drivers with victories in that cups in that truck series. Uh, so yeah, I I think it's certainly possible. Uh, are you also asking us to give our, our same analysis for the Cup series? Well, we'll get to the Cup Series in a minute if you want. Um, I didn't realize that Matt had actually worked his way that far up in points. I really thought he was still closer to that cut line, um, but he has actually put himself points-wise in even without the win. Uh, I know there for a while it was between him and Johnny Sauter, and then as well as you guys mentioned, Tyler Ankrum and Stuart Friesen. 
Right. He was outside the cutoff line at one point, but he did work his way back in uh, to be fixed in the series point standings. Yeah, so I guess the, the bubble there isn't quite as bad, but being that Johnny Sauter is still on the outside, and he's one like Mike said, they just haven't been on point like they have been in years past. Stuart mm-hmm. Friesen, i got to give a little bit of a of a exemption from. They switched manufacturers, so are trying to rebuild mm-hmm. it with a new manufacturer. And unfortunately, with the Eldora postponement, I know no driver likes to be labeled as a one-type track only, but – Dirt tracks obviously play to his favor um, mm-hmm. that we might have to look at. He might not have that opportunity. He's not going to have the opportunity on dirt. So whether or not he can get that first asphalt win, uh, I know he has been strong on some of the mile and a half. And Mike obviously felt it this weekend, uh, taking him for both races, unfortunately didn't pan out. Yeah, and let me just kind of add to what I was saying, too, and I meant to say this before, is Matt Crafton kind of reminded everybody in his post-race interview that last year he won the championship without having any wins. So having a win this year kind of helps him uh, confidence-wise, I think, going into the playoffs this year. Uh, But anyway, Mike, did you have a follow-up there? Well, hopefully it's the first of many. Um, obviously, Matt Crafton winning the championship last year um, was a bit of a fluke. I mean, NASCAR, through the playoff system, has really gone to emphasize winning um, individual races and making that the easiest pathway to the championship. So Matt Crafton winning uh, the championship last year with no wins, um, that definitely got a lot of discussion. And it not necessarily was all a favorable for the 88 team. So getting back to victory lane is a step in the right direction for that team. And hopefully we get to see a few more wins out of them heading into the playoffs. Okay. Um, I kind of already did my follow-up. So Jay, did you have anything else? Well, and that I know Sharon and I had this discussion on, on Thursday of that and a little offline as well, maybe a little over exaggerated on my part, but we did see that for the first time in this new format, a driver not only not winning all season, but we hadn't seen it come down to Miami and it not be the winner of the race winning. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. I believe Crafton finished second or third in that championship hunt, but was the best of the four drivers. So far we had seen you had to win that final race in order to win the championship. So we had it twofold, not, not only not winning that race, but not winning all year. And, I know we've talked about it, but when they broke it down, it really blew my mind of how long it had been since he had won specifically on an asphalt track, right? And and that win was on dirt, you know? So he he really had been on a real dry streak as far as an asphalt win, which is unusual, like Mike said. So hopefully, again, they are back in the right direction. Expect to see Johnny Sauter come back the same. Like I said, Stuart Friesen, I, I'm kind of giving them a pass just because they are they have such momentum. Even with the dirt track win, we felt like his asphalt win was coming. I want to say a step backwards, but they did have to restart with the new manufacturer. And that's not even taking into consideration then what we've seen in the Cup Series. Rookies, Tanner Gray, uh, Derek Krause, Raphael Lassard, Ty Majeski, Zane Smith and Christian Yecki has kind of set themselves apart. They're not winning yet but they're up there battling. Krause and is in a ninth place, let's see, by 30-some points, a little under 30 points. Mm-hmm. 
So not a great margin, but he is on the inside. Tanner Gray, Raphael Lassard, Ty Majeski, and Spencer Davis are on the outside. Any one of those, I think, I know James took Raphael Lassard this weekend. You know, we are expecting them to eventually start winning, so uh, really could shake things up. Now, on the cup side, if we want to go into that, there it's already been shook up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Mike, what's your hot topic? Well, the news came out today. I guess the uh, Dover had wanted to have fans at their racetrack or at their races that were coming up, and unfortunately, um, the I think it was the governor's office ended up disapproving of their mitigation plan. So it looks like there's not going to be any fans at Dover this, uh, at least for the upcoming race, and I think it was for both races that are scheduled for the remainder of the season. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Again, it's unfortunate, but I'm not going to second guess what state leadership is doing for their community, for their state, for their people, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to see it, whether it be me going to the races or having fans in the stands for the sport itself. Got to trust that this is being done for the right reasons uh, and protecting the people. Uh, So I'm I'm not going to second guess it. Like I said, I'm not necessarily happy about it. But I understand it, and I know NASCAR is working with them. The tracks obviously are going to be lobbying uh, for that, uh, not just income. I don't want to put it that they're being greedy, but, I mean, that is what this sport is built on is the fans. You know, the drivers talk about it. It's not the same winning in an empty stadium. It's just not. So, yeah, we want to see it, but we got to wait until the time is right in the locations that are right. I know some tracks have. We haven't had any issues uh, as far as I know. Um you know, we can't say for sure, but I, I respect that if that's their decision, then you're going to have to adhere to it. Yeah, if, if I'd rather see them racing than not racing. Uh, and I do miss the fans in the stands. Uh, it's not why I tune in, though. It's I tune in because I want to watch the racing on the track. Uh, the drivers have mentioned it more than anything, how they miss the kind of the celebration of winning. Uh, without fans in the stands. Uh, but, again, on the side of safety, you, you can't really second-guess it. I think, I think it's a good decision uh, when, you, when you consider that they're looking out for the fans and their safety. And uh, Dover did everything that they possibly could do to try to make it happen. Uh, but, unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards for this time around. So uh, again, I get. I think we have to kind of trust that and and kind of move on from there and and just enjoy it from the, the seats, the best seat in the house, which is at home. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I agree. Obviously, ha- not having the fans is uh, is a big negative, at least in terms of the atmosphere at the track. Um, the couple races that we've had fans back, I think. Uh, there were a couple instances where it was not necessarily the best look. Case in point, after the all-star race, all the fans crowding to the fence as Chase Elliott's going up there and giving everyone high fives. Great moment of celebration, but when we're talking about social distancing and trying to limit Mm -hmm. the number of people being exposed to other people. And the same thing happening at Texas during the red flag when they brought the field and stopped them on the front stretch, and basically every fan in attendance was lined up against the fence there trying to take pictures and get close to the cars. 
I totally understand the, the, the impetus and motivation for the fans to want to be a part of that. But when that's something like that is broadcast on TV, it creates the image that NASCAR does not have the level of control that's necessary in order to safely bring fans back to these events yet. Which is, which is why <laughs> we're kind of in the situation that we have. Jay, uh, anything you want to add there? No, and that's one of those situations that not being directly involved in. Um, it's tough for me to even speculate on. I know, again, you, you get whatever you get from social media or whatever. There's this side, then there's this side, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. So, again, I think NASCAR is doing a very good job. Again, nothing is going to be perfect where there are no mistakes, no errors. We've seen that throughout every aspect of life. So, they're doing, I think, in my opinion, doing a great job with it. There are some things that, and I know Micah addressed this with the uh, testing as far as Jimmy Johnson, maybe some spots that can be improved, but the only way you know that is to go through it, and when those things come up, look at it and go, okay, we can improve here. Okay. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I think NASCAR is doing everything they possibly can do. Uh, In this case, it was Dover working with uh, you know, the state and and uh, NASCAR trying to make something happen. Uh, and, and again, uh, we are seeing that second wave of in a lot of states where the numbers are starting to increase again. Uh, people, you know, California opened up and then they had to roll it back uh, because of uh, the increase in, in COVID-19 cases. So, uh, I think it's important to kind of keep in mind that NASCAR is looking out, uh, that Dover's looking out uh, for the fans' safety, and, and that's uh, of utmost importance there. So with that, um, I don't know if there was anything more that you had, Mike. No, that's about it. I didn't mean to be negative on NASCAR on this one. It's just a matter of, it's one thing when you've got, credentialed people who are part of the organization, you know, team members and whatnot, it's a lot easier to control mm-hmm. what they're doing versus when you've got thousands or tens of thousands of people in the grandstands, it's unreasonable to expect that they're going to all follow every bit of behavior. So until it's deemed safe enough, it, I don't think NASCAR really has a choice but to accept the level of control that they have. And if that control isn't sufficient to provide the necessary level of fan safety, then it is what it is, unfortunately. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, let's uh, go ahead and move on to the next topic. Um, I'll go ahead and go to you, Jay. All right. Well, again, the one that it's kind of a a carryover that that I've that I've had that we've had so many we didn't get to. Like I said, I didn't have any real major ones that came from this weekend of racing per se. But we are looking at Jimmy Johnson and the, and the cut there, cutoff line. He's been in, he's been out, he's been right at the line. We saw it a little bit early, even earlier in the season. And I think back, and I'm trying to remember exactly what race it was. He was going for uh, going for a stage win and spun out, hit the wall and spun out. Just mistakes we don't normally see, especially from Jimmy Johnson, a seven-time champion. Is he already into a desperation mode? Okay, Mike. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past. I, I think, Jay, you're re- referring to the uh, first Darlington race back when uh, when Jimmy Johnson ended up getting into uh, some lap traffic and wrecking the car. Um, it's really hard to say. Well, that, was, that thing, was another one, yes. 
you know, the big thing, big thing to remember, Jimmy Johnson has nothing to prove to anybody. I mean, he could walk away tomorrow, you know, decide I'm not coming back for the rest of the season, and he will still be considered one of the greatest drivers who have ever driven in NASCAR. Um, so it's kind of popular right now. There's a montage floating around Twitter. I'm not sure who, uh, who originally made it, but I've seen it being shared around of all the recent crashes that Jimmy Johnson has had, basically since the car turned black with the Lowe's black paint scheme and now Ally. Um, but people kind of lose sight just what Jimmy Johnson has been to the sport over the past almost two decades. Um, one of the greatest drivers who's ever driven there, and he hasn't had the best couple of years, but that shouldn't diminish from an outstanding beyond reproach Hall of Fame resume. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Jimmy Johnson is going to go down in the record books as one of the one of the very best. He's tied with Earnhardt and Richard Petty for uh, championships. If he gets an eighth championship, that's fantastic. If he doesn't, uh, I don't think it takes anything away from Jimmy Johnson. Um, I I think the other thing to remember is he's gone through, uh, in the last couple of years, a lot, a lot of changes. They had the the new Camaro that came into uh, NASCAR, uh, Chevrolet as a whole, uh, took a while to make that adjustment to the new Camaro. Uh, they've made changes to it uh, to make it a little bit better for the drivers. Um, he changed crew chiefs, uh, and, uh, you know, there's been rule package changes. So, And I know he's not the only one that's had to go through those changes, uh, but those are big changes, and even – you know, when when even the uh, uh, seven-time champion is struggling with it, you know it's a big deal. Uh, the other thing to kind of keep in mind here, and I think you've brought this up before, Mike, um, where he had a uh, an incident uh, with a really hard hit, and it may have impacted him more than a lot of people think and and may have impacted him as far as his driving style on the track. And I forget which track it is, Mike, but you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, that was Pocono back in, I believe it was 2017, shortly after he got his uh, his last points win. Uh, I think it was maybe three weeks after that, uh, that win at Dover. Uh, he lost the brakes going into turn one in Pocono and hit the wall extremely hard. One of the hardest mm-hmm. hits I know Jimmy Johnson has ever taken. And, I, yeah, there's not a whole lot of drivers out there, period, who've taken a hit that hard. Um, so, yeah, I, I – I don't disagree that there may be some not even conscious psychological trauma from that one, but just right, like conscious. you said before, you know, the body doesn't forget. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to just mention that again. Uh, when your body goes through that kind of trauma, it it just doesn't forget. Uh, even though you think mentally that you've kind of gotten past it, your body still has those reactions uh, to those kinds of injuries. Um and and is hesitating in some of those situations, and I I kind of know that from my own personal experience because because I broke my back a few years ago, and it took me a while uh, to kind of uh, recover you know from a uh, that subconscious level uh, with regard to a back injury. So I, I know that that happens. Uh, so I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jay? Do you think that's had an impact on Jimmy Johnson along with all of the other changes that he's had to deal with? 
I'm, I'm sure that it has, and I know we talked about it with Ryan Newman as well, uh, following his day, mm-hmm. his crash at Daytona. Uh, you know, and and it might not even be a ma- major injury, just little things. I know when Jeff Gordon, towards the end of the, his career, had some back issues um, that were affecting different things, and the, any little change or discomfort in the car is going to affect how you drive, how you sit. So that can have an impact. And, and like you said, the, the changes with the, the car, crew chiefs, uh, again, with what he had with Chad Knauss, gone through that. Uh, and the fact that I know he didn't make the playoffs last year and, again, is right on that bubble this year. Again, you can say it's not a factor, but I think that, that maybe there is some – and I don't know if maybe desperation is the right word, but – and he certainly, you, you have both said it, he doesn't have to prove one more thing as far as his capability on the track. But you also, as, as they say, you want to go out on top. And he has chosen uh, this year, you know, as far as that as being his final year of full-time cup driving, that you still want to go out on top. And I know Gordon got that opportunity uh, with his win at Martinsville when he went. I would like to see that for Jimmy Johnson, but I don't think it will define him as his career uh, from that aspect, the the one or two that I look at, and I, I know it was a different era, but, and I, I bet I'm a fan. I know my dad was a big fan. Look at Daryl Waltrip and even Richard Petty a little bit of going past their prime where you feel like they should have retired a few years earlier because they weren't out there being competititive. Now there's some, okay, I'm going to interrupt you real with, quick. Oh, yep. Let me Go just ahead. Go interrupt ahead. you real quick. I've yep. got the time, and yep. I'm running out of time. Um, I, it, we're coming up on the 10:30 mark, and that means that we will go off the air, but we do continue to record the remainder of the conversation as part of our overtime bonus material on our podcast. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. I go out on Twitter to let fans know that uh, the podcast is now available, and shortly after that is when you can uh, go up to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Podcast listeners will be able to listen straight through. So, okay, I think I got it all in. Go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sorry. The last time I looked at it, it was still too early because I think we were at 24 or 25 minutes. So uh <laughs> got caught up there when it, when you turned it over to me. But continuing on with the comparing it to, say, Daryl Waltrip, a lot of people looked at it. He was having to take that champion's provisional to get in. It wasn't running competitive. But then when he got the opportunity to get in – uh, DEI car fill in in the number one for Steve Park, he was back up running in the top five. So you can't say it's all just about the driver or his age or whatever else. It is all circumstantial, several different things. And we talked about the different things that Hendrick Motorsports and that team has had. So there mm-hmm. may be a little bit, little bit of it on the driver, but there's also other circumstances. So it's just a combination of things, I think. And again, no way going to define his career by any means. Mike? Yeah, um, Jay's exactly right. There's not one single factor that you can point at, because if there was one, they'd fix it. You know, we're talking about one of the top teams in uh, in major professional motorsports here. So if there was one factor, they would fix it. Um, With regard to the change piece, 
there's probably some merit there, but also keep in mind, Jimmy Johnson is the only driver who has won a championship in the generation four generation five and generation six cars. Um, so Jimmy's definitely had his share of change throughout his career as well. So I don't know that that's the one defining factor either. Uh, I think it's just a multitude of things all combining together. And it may also be, you know, Jimmy's interest may be starting to drift elsewhere. We've heard a lot of talk about Jimmy wanting to get into IndyCar. So it's possible that his interest in NASCAR has faded um, to the point where, yeah, he's still better in a race car than any of us would be and probably the majority of other drivers, but he's not the Jimmy Johnson that we came to expect through the mid and late 2000s. Yeah, and and that's a good point, Mike, as, as well as the points that Jay made. Uh, I, I do feel like Jimmy Johnson is at peace with his decision uh, to in you know, you know to and he says it's not a retirement he plans to continue racing he's looking at you know testing with IndyCar uh and I look for him to be in IndyCar next year and I'm looking forward to watching him race in IndyCar next year I think he's going to bring a lot of uh, new eyes to that sport next year um but I, I I do get the sense even with the COVID-19 it's not the kind of final season that uh, he would maybe would have wanted uh, with NASCAR uh, given the the COVID pandemic. But I I do feel like he's kind of at peace with it. I I do see him still trying to be competitive on the track and and trying to go after those wins. He's had uh, times that he's running up in the top five and everything. So I wouldn't necessarily count him out just yet. I think it's still possible that Jimmy Johnson could get a win before it's all said and done. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll have to let time tell the rest of that story, I guess. Um, so in, any other follow-up? No, I think I pretty much okay. covered everything I had. Oh, okay. Uh, Mike, did you have anything else on your list for tonight? Uh, as far as you talk about for, uh, for Jenny or for another hot topic? For another hot topic. Well, we just got done yeah. talking about Jimmy Johnson. Who, yeah, he's a he's a mm-hmm. driver kind of on the downswing of his career. Um, but another driver I've been really impressed with over the past month or so has been Austin Sindrick. He's definitely a driver on the ascension. Um, I picked him a lot in our fan for racing pool earlier in the season, and now that uh, now he tends to go a lot sooner in the uh, in the draw. And he came into the season with I believe it was two wins, and they were both on road courses. And now we've seen him go three in a row and then more, more or less a threat every single weekend. So he's gone from just being a road course driver to a more uh, rounded driver. And it's great to see. Jay. Yeah, it certainly has a, that's one of those of, we knew it was coming. It was a matter of time and we're seeing that, that develop now. Uh, and you're right. And I think about like Mike referenced of, how they get picked in our fantasy group of, yeah, normally those are the first one to maybe a third pick. If, if that, uh, he most certainly has been, I think he has always been right there again. He just wasn't necessarily getting the attention got labeled as that. Yeah. He can run top five, but he can't win a race. if It's not on a road course. And I think he's proved that that wrong. And I, I don't remember which, which day it was last week, but when we talked about this, okay, the double header at, uh, Kentucky, yeah, they came out, had the setup right, but then to be the next week, or I'm sorry, what was that Pocono? Grab these backwards. One of them was at Pocono, then the double hunter at Kentucky. Um, 
but also then even with the one victory coming because of the disqualification of Kyle Busch, you can't take away from the fact that he was obviously second running behind Bush, which means you're pretty dang good. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't finish finish first but got the victory, but he was running second and was the best of the rest, you know, behind Kyle Busch, which there's a lot of people that got to look at that. So I think we're going to see that, and it's one of those of we've said back back when we first started talking about him, even last year of time will tell, we're seeing that the time has come and he is showing what he is capable of. And they got all the circumstances, all the, the right things in the right place, and that's what comes out of it. Absolutely. I think Austin Sindrick is uh, uh, certainly one of the drivers that I would expect to be in that final four uh, at the end of the year. And uh, I don't think he's finished with race wins either. I think he's he's probably going to get some more race wins, as I think Chase Briscoe will, will probably get some more race wins. Um, and there's only four. Austin Sindrick now leads the series point standings. He's just four points ahead of Chase Briscoe uh, in the in the point standings. So uh, he's been super super strong. When you look at the playoff points. Chase Briscoe's got 28, but it's Austin Sindrick right behind with 22 playoff points. So he he definitely is a force to be reckoned with uh, for the rest of this season, I believe. It, it sometimes sometimes it's hard to keep the momentum going. Uh, I, he was on a momentum though to win this race uh, this week at Kansas, and Brandon Jones just came out of nowhere. Uh, to win it, uh, so I think you got to put Brandon Jones in that category as well. He he is going to I think be a force to be reckoned with before this is all said and done as well. And uh, uh, it was quite a show that all of these guys put on uh, this last week at Kansas Speedway. So yes, Austin Cindric definitely an up, up and coming superstar. Uh, if you're asking, is he ready to move on to the Cup Series? Um, Possibly, you know, if they've got a place for him, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Sindrick move up to the Cup Series. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, there might be an opening in the double zero in the Cup Series, but I don't think Austin Sindrick would take it. Uh, I'm not quite sold on Brandon. Not quite sold on Brandon Jones yet. Obviously, he won this past weekend, but he's been very hot and cold. You know, he won, but then again, he crashed on lap one at Pocono. So. Obviously, he's in the playoffs. I'd like to see some more consistency out of that team before I would put them in with it. You know, the championship favorite kind of a column there. Um, With regard to Cindric in the 22 versus Chase Briscoe in the 98, um, that's where consistency has really shined. Uh, Chase Briscoe has won more races, but I would say Austin Cindric has been a little bit more consistent than Chase Briscoe has been. uh, Cindric may not have won as many races, but his lows have not been as low as Chase Briscoe has been. You know, if if Austin Cindric has a bad day, he's finishing maybe in the top 20 range versus if Chase Briscoe has a bad day, he's been in the thirties a couple times due to accidents or something along those lines. So I think that's really where the difference is between Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric. You put them on the racetrack with reliable cars and the brakes that go their way, either one of them could win at any track we go to anymore. And I would say those two are probably head and shoulders above the rest of the field in terms of championship contenders. Um, at least at this point in the season, obviously there's still a lot more racing to go on, but those two, I would say are, they're the big two right now. If we're trying to make a, a big grouping of, of drivers from season to season, I would say there are the big two in the Xfinity series right now. Okay. Jay. 
Well, you you guys know I hate it. I hate it when I have to say this, but I agree with Mike. Um, when when you look at uh, Austin Cindric, you're right. He's been much more consistent. Uh, first, comparing him to to Brandon Jones, as he mentioned, uh, that's where I say I do agree. He has won a couple of races and can be a contender, but it's that consistency. The one thing I, between Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric, what I look at is not not just the hot or cold as much as say Brandon Jones. But, and I'm thinking in baseball terms, if you have a home run hitter, when you look at their strikeouts, they're going to lead in strikeouts as well as home runs. So Chase Briscoe is winning, but he also has bad days. Sindrick may not have been winning as much, but then doesn't have as much bad days, but he's getting doubles, singles, doubles, or triples versus the home run. So it's kind of a, a trade-off there. Um, I still put, like he said, the two of them at the top. Brandon Jones definitely coming along. And as we see that week in and week out, uh, might have more faith in him. I know a couple others, we're talking about Noah Gregson. Gregson's on that extreme checkers or wreckers kind of mentality. You know, either he's winning or top three or well outside the top 20. He doesn't do a lot of 10th, 15th place finish when that's where the car is. And we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, to just clarify what I was saying about Brandon Jones uh, is that he's had a couple of wins, not just in the Xfinity Series, but he also won in the Truck Series, and I see him as starting to come on. Uh, I'm not necessarily a championship contender, but if he does go on a streak, he could potentially become. Uh, But I do see him starting to turn it on. He is running more consistently uh, better than I've seen him run in previous years, uh, and and uh, I do think that uh, we may see more from him. It's kind of like, and I know he's not a rookie, it's kind of like what we say about the rookies, though, that uh, sometimes they're going to struggle in the first half of the year, but as they start to figure things out, they get better in the second half. That's where I see Brandon Jones. I see him as starting to get things figured out and starting to come on a little bit stronger than what he's been. Uh, he's got to show us that he can be a championship contender with more than just the two wins that he has now and and uh, continuing to, to be a contender. I thought what he did this weekend was impressive because he did come out of nowhere and uh, really beat some really great drivers uh, for that victory. So I think things may be turning around for Brandon Jones is kind of more my point than anything else. Um, but I agree with you guys, uh, you know, the rest of, way that, of what you're saying here. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen. I think Harrison Burton certainly has the potential. Uh, he was on his way to winning. He's still a rookie. He made some mistakes and and, uh, you know, it showed a little bit this weekend. But I do think that Harrison Burton has a uh, good good thing going this season. Uh, and uh, whether or not he can make it to the Final Four has yet to be determined yet as well. I think you're right. It's the two drivers we know are going to probably going to be there. The, the other two are TBD, uh, to be determined. Uh, based on what we see closing out this season. So any any final thoughts there? My only thought on this one for Jay is 
Yeah, Austin Sindrick may have finished behind Kyle Busch at Texas. The last I heard, they don't write that on the trophy. That, that, that's my point. Like I said, I mean, you know, he's going to get credit for the win. And, you know, it's one of those of I do see of what goes around comes around. You know, there's times when you have the best car, the fastest car, and other circumstances take the win away from you. So whether it be mm-hmm. rain shortened or whatever, you get one that way, fair is fair. I just figured I'd, I'd, I'd bust on you just a little bit on that one just for fun. <laughs> All right. No, I, you, you got you got a, you got a point. Um the one thing I wanted to, wanted to add there, and I go back to uh, to Cole Custer two years ago, felt like maybe he was ready to go cup racing. Uh, leadership said, hey, you're winning occasionally and running decent, but we want to see you running consistently top five, the bad day being a top 10, top 15. And that next year in the Xfinity Series, I think, is what helped develop Custer for that. And I know Sharon sees this, and we've talked about that, so – that second or even third year in the Xfinity series isn't always a bad thing. Absolutely not. I, I really think that uh, seeing some of these drivers stay in the Xfinity series and Austin Sindrick, you know, is, is one of those drivers. It, it makes them more prepared, I think, uh, to move up into the cup series. They're still going to go through a little bit of a slump in the first uh, half of that season, uh, but here's the thing. This year is such an anomaly as far as rookie coming into the Cup Series. You don't see what we're seeing this year from rookies coming into the Cup Series uh, with uh, Tyler Reddick and Ty- and uh, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, John Hunter Nemechek. These guys are doing things that we haven't seen from rookies uh, for a very, very long time in the Cup Series. So I think that uh, Austin Sendrick certainly is capable of maybe doing that next year in the Cup Series, but uh, it would not hurt him to be in the in the Xfinity Series for another season if it came down to that. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Okay, any other topics that anybody wants to bring up before we? Well, I know we got a little bit of time, and like I said, this is this is a, is a carryover one from the weekend. We talked about it a little bit there, but Kyle Busch being disqualified from uh, the Xfinity Series race, and I know his post race he had some comments, but I thought the way the way he handled himself is that what we're can expect out of Kyle Busch now, or was that? Uh, a charade, if you will. Okay, did I miss something? Was Kyle Busch disqualified this, this like weekend? I said, this or are you talking about from previous? No, 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 no. This is the one from the previous weekend. That's why I said oh, it was okay. kind of a carryover, and I know we've had so many. It just I, I didn't get a chance to bring it up. Oh, I see. Okay, so Mike, your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty much template Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch tends to wear his feelings on his sleeve uh, for good or for bad. Um, if he's doing well, we get happy Kyle Busch. If he's not doing well, we get pretty unvarnished Kyle Busch for good or for bad. He's going to tell you where his opinion is on it in a snapshot in a moment. Whether that's good or bad is a matter for debate. Um, you can at least get the idea that you're getting the real Kyle Busch at that point. 
uh, and you're not getting some sort of a polished PR statement. You are getting the thoughts and opinions of Kyle Bush in real time. So I didn't see anything that looked like it was out of character or new for him with regard to uh, either the disqualification at Texas, his comments following the truck series win, um, or uh, his comments following the Cup Series race at Texas where he went through the grass and still ended up getting a top five out of the deal. I saw that all more or less within character of Kyle Bush from what I've seen over the previous two years. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think Kyle Bush is going to be Kyle Bush, and, uh, you know, he has his good days and his not-so-good days. And uh, I think, um, you know, Kyle Bush would like to, for his season to be going a lot better than what it has been. He has been vocal about the fact that not having practice has hurt him and his team. Uh, but then I go back to, uh, you know, the, he's a, he's playing on the same playing field as everybody else. Some of these other teams have figured it out, and, and they have to figure it out. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing has seemed like they're starting they, – they had some uh, uh, good finishes. Uh, let's see, I'm looking here. You had um, Hamlin. Well, Denny Hamlin won the race. Yeah, Denny Hamlin won the race. I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Uh, but I'm talking about uh, the other Joe Gibbs drivers. Uh, not so much this weekend, but I guess it was last weekend. Quite a few of them finished up in the top ten. I, I think all of them finished in the top ten from Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, so they 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 do have those glimpses of uh, it looking like maybe they're they're getting it figured out. But I do think the practices have hurt some teams more than others, and Kyle Busch's team is certainly one of those teams, and and he's made it known that he he misses those practices. So again, I agree with Mike. I don't think what we've seen from him is any different than uh, what we've seen before from Kyle Busch. So your thoughts, Jay? Okay, maybe and maybe it, I, I haven't uh, focused on it a lot, but. I actually saw it as a good thing of, of the maturity level of it, running the truck race immediately following the disqualification from the Xfinity race. And he did make comments um, to the effect of that maybe that ride height rule, the way it is, and the effect it would have on a car wasn't really uh, in a, a factor in him winning. But he put it behind him, and even during the truck race, he had some issues during the truck race, maintaining his calm and, and composure during that truck race, winning. And then in the cup race, again, when he talked about coming back from going through the grass, he just said, you know, hey, that's, you know, the determination and grit to get what we could out of it and not let it derail him. I think in the past we've seen where something like that would happen, it would derail him for a week or two as he stewed on it, if you will. And it just seemed like he didn't let that happen over that weekend um, through any of it. And I saw that as a great sign of maturity. And I guess my question was whether that maturity holds long-term, because we've seen that as well in the past of, yeah, he came back in 15 from his injury and won the championship. But then in the next two years, it was kind of like he went right back to the old Kyle Busch, if you will. Okay, Mike, follow up. I don't know. Maybe he's getting better at compartmentalizing. Uh, with the truck race, you got to remember he's also the team owner. So he's got obligations of, you know, regardless of how he may feel 
from a an emotional standpoint, he's got financial obligations as a team owner to to run that race. So it's not like he can just pack up his uh, pack up his bat and ball and take it home. Um, as far as the maturity and, and letting things bother him, I don't know. Tough to say. He had issues at Kansas, and they showed the in car, and you couldn't hear what he said over the over the engine noise, but at the same time, you could tell exactly what he said. So Kyle Busch definitely still has the, you know, the emotion and the temper that we've always seen from him. Whether he's better at compartmentalizing it and not letting him affect him on the track, I don't know, maybe. I'm not inside his head. I know that the performance that he's had has been consistent um, from season to season to season. He's got, he, Kyle Busch has always had his ups and he's always had his downs. Um, his highs can get very high. And obviously, he's a two-time champion. Um, but Kyle Busch also can go on long stretches without winning a race. Don't forget that prior to winning the Homestead race to win the championship last year, previous to that, he hadn't won a race since June. And the conversation is, what happened to Kyle Busch? Well, nothing. He won the championship, so nothing really happened to Kyle Busch. And it's probably the same thing going on right now. I don't think there's any kind of a long-term issue or major change in Kyle Busch going on right now. Yeah, I'm, I'll go back to what I've said before about champions. I think sometimes the champion will come in the next season uh, and have a little bit of a slow start because they're so focused on winning the champion, they're not getting their cars ready for the next season, where a lot of these teams that are not in the championship have that chance to kind of start preparing for next year uh, before this year is even out. So um, that could be part of what's happening with Kyle Busch as well. I'll just add that uh, to to what I had mentioned before, uh, that, you know, he's coming off the championship. Uh, he may be starting a little bit behind. You've got the COVID-19 uh, factor to kind of throw in there as well. He's not getting the practice sessions. Um, there's a lot that could be happening. But Kyle Bush is Kyle Bush, and I would not put it past him to come up with a victory and win uh, before the regular season is over um, and and go on and, and maybe compete for the championship. Uh but it has not been a strong year for him overall. So we'll see what happens. But he's capable of getting that victory in spite of everything. So, Jet, anything more that you want to say? Well, and that's what, that, that's kind of along the lines of what has impressed me. Of, and we saw this in years past when uh, Martin Truex was at Furniture Row. I think Kyle Busch was one of the ones that was – very vocal and frustrated with the fact that they were getting their equipment from Joe Gibbs racing. He was winning and the Joe Gibbs racing team itself wasn't this year. Denny Hamlin's been winning. We haven't, and Kyle Busch hasn't, um, we haven't seen that side of him like that. And that's where I think, I, and maybe it is winning the second championship that, that put it in that perspective of able to ride the highs and the lows. I just think that, that he has shown some maturity in handling things much better, at least outwardly. You know, uh, Maybe he still does, like Mike said, what's going on is in his head, we don't know. But I think we've seen him much more controlled, at least as far as when it comes to the media. He still expresses his, his opinions, like you said. We, he, has, he doesn't shy away from that. He's not happy they're not getting practice. He has expressed that. But I don't feel it's like he's crying or whining. He just said, hey, it it helped our team. We're not getting it. We're struggling, but we're going to work through it. Uh, again, I don't see him screaming that he's not getting the same cars as Denny Hamlin. Things of that nature that we have seen in the past. Okay. 
we'll let that be the last word, and uh, we'll start our roundtable. Mike, we'll start with you tonight uh, for the roundtable sign-off. Mike Orzel on Facebook, Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter. I'm going to be at Memphis International Raceway tomorrow for uh, the SCCA Track Night in America. Unfortunately, the event at Daytona this, uh, that was supposed to be on Friday has been canceled, so I'm kind of doing a little bit of a makeup run at Memphis, so a little bit of on-track stuff that's coming up. Um, I should be available this weekend, so uh, maybe look for me in the Fanfare Racing chat room. I should be there at least for the cup race and hopefully for uh, any of the other on-track stuff that we're covering as well. Okay, Jay. All right, you can follow me at Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm hoping over tomorrow, tomorrow and Wednesday, have a little bit of free time during the day, work on that article on the 2020 season and the impact it may have on the future of NASCAR. And then this weekend, I'll be back at Jackson Motor Speedway of Capital City Raceway with the ASCS Sprint Car. So, and check out some sprint car action in the Jackson, Mississippi area and just want to hear me talk. Some people do. <laughs> okay. I am Fanfare Racing site on Twitter, Fanfare Racing blog and radio, elsewhere including FanfareRacing.com. And uh, we do have some articles uh, forthcoming. I know uh, Owen did not have the power ranking last week. Uh, that's going to come out this week. It'll cover the two-week period. Uh, and then uh, Sam, who uh, has been out with regard to the recap for the last couple of weeks, uh, should be back with his recap uh, from New Hampshire Motor Speedway uh, this weekend. So you can watch for that happening at FanFracing.com. As we mentioned, we are going to do the radio show on Thursday night. Uh, and uh, uh, that will be one hour for our preview show, and then at 9.30 Eastern time we'll get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off uh, for the uh, the next hour. So we'll do that on Thursday night as well as Monday night. Uh, Joe Graff Jr., who was scheduled to be on tonight, uh, rescheduled his appearance for next Monday night at 9 p.m., so we're definitely looking forward to talking to Joe Graff Jr. on on Monday night, uh, August the 3rd. So that's all I have, and a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, We always appreciate everybody there, and then, of course, to our Fan for Racing crew here, Mike Rozelle and Jay Huseman, as well as uh, Sal Segala. Really appreciate all that you guys do as well. So with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys. Night, everybody. All right. Talk to you on Thursday. Good night.